Hello YouTube, welcome to this week's episode of Dungeons and Dragons Fellowship of Steel. First of all, I'd like to apologise that we are 15 to 20 minutes late as we are all playing in person today and had to uh, work out the logistics. So without further ado, let us jump into Discord and begin today's adventure. Hello everyone. Hello. How are we today? Oh. <laughs> you got it. Okay. That's pretty good yourself. Yes. Well, okay. uh, so everyone who's tuning in today, we have a special guest. Uh, joining us for today's session is Liam's good friend, Trav. And work colleague. And work colleague, Trav. So, Trav, I'll just pop your volume up a bit. There we go. And without further ado, let us get into today's adventure. Um, before we begin, I'd just like to lay out the usual disclaimer that we play with full immersion. And anyone, if anyone comes and raids or subscribes, uh, please accept our apologies in advance if we do not interact with you in the stream. But we'll do our best to make you feel welcome in chat. And so, let us begin today's adventure. So, last time, uh, you were courted by two factions. The Emerald Enclave and the uh, Lord's Alliance. The Emerald Enclave, headed up by Malinar, ended up recruiting Bowl by Sword. Bobbit and Ava, and tasking you with solving a disturbance out in the outlying farms of Waterdeep. You ended up covering the hiding place of a lone druid who was fighting a one-man war against civilization, put his terror to rest, and, without spilling his blood, impressing Malinar enough to induct all three of you, into the Enclave. Meanwhile, Narthal, Sir Lucian, and Mickey uh, were invited to an opera at the Lightsinger Theatre by a man known as Mert. The opera proved to be entertaining on its own, but at the end of the opera, uh, Mert made a proposal to the three of you to induct you as agents of the Lord's Alliance if you would perform a task for him. That task being to locate the missing Lord Alliance spy, Maxine Riosan, who apparently likes to spend most of her time in the form of a horse, and as such gathers information by overhearing prominent figures in Waterdeep talk 
their business while she gives them a ride while pulling one of the city's drays. And so you have returned from your mission for the Emerald Enclave, and after a long rest, you ha- are ready to continue the task you were given by Mert. But first, Bobbit. After you return from the Enclave, you immediately head down to the basement, to your bedroom in the basement, and pass out in exhaustion. You find your night marked by strange dreams. Dreams where you are seated at a table with a strange skeletal man. You have conversations, but they seem to be in some sort of bizarre language that you can't quite make out. All you can remember, the only thing that remains in your mind, is the sense of malice and malice and evil coming from the man on the table opposite you. These dreams seem to go on for an eternity until you are awoken, sweat peeling down your skin. You look around, your bedroom bathed in shadow. It is evidently very early in the morning. I'd like you to do a perception check, please, Bobbit. Uh, well, yeah, perception. Do, 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 do. Um, that is a 13. As you shake your head and shake the remnants of these bizarre dreams out of your Jeez. head, you look around and you notice something lying at the end of your bed. Something of a rectangular shape, nothing more than a black lump in this dim light. Go over and take it up. You climb out of bed, climb out from under the covers and crawl across the ends of the bed. And there, as you get closer, you see it. The strange object is a large book. The largest book you've ever seen. The entire book uh, being about the breadth of your chest and so heavy that you groan as you lift it up. It appears to be bound in black leather with silver clasps on each corner and gold bands along the spine. As you hold it aloft, you see strange writing on the front. Writing that at First, appears to be in some strange language, occult-looking symbols that, at first, you can't make out, until suddenly, before your eyes, they change. And the title of the book reads, Book of Shadows. Mm. You heft it down on the bed and flip it open beginning to flip through its yellowed, gold-trimmed pages, and inside you find the majority of the pages blank, but some of them, the ones at the start of the book, filled with what appear to be the directions for casting a number of different spells. 
The wizard's butt. Well, it's a wizard. Bobbit knew it. Bobbit has her own spell book. And as you read the title of one of the spells on the page, you smile and you look to your right where Blinky the gazer is curled up in his basket, fast asleep. We time shift to several hours later. Troll Skull Manor has just finished its early morning breakfast rush. The workmen who come in for their to start their days with drinks and plates or greasy breakfast food are finally leaving, shuffling out the door, and the party is starting the first of many rigorous sessions of cleaning around the bar. It is at this point, as you are about to start cleaning dishes, wiping grime off tables, that Bobbit bursts out from the door leading to the basement, carrying something in both her arms, held aloft in front of her, shouting in excitement. What do you say, Bobbit? Bobbit's an actual wizard. Look, Bobbit has a spellbook. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> you all turn and look as Bobbit rushes up to you and thrusts the book down on the bar. The thick book makes a thump as it touches the wood. Bobbit immediately opens it and begins flicking through the pages, showing you, showing you all of the new spells at her disposal. She stops at a page entitled Find Familiar and then looks at you, beaming. Do any of you say or do anything? You're good. Bob asks to... Can Bob have a quick look through wizard books? Uh, it's book. I didn't hear that, sorry. I said, mm. it said you can look through the book. Mm-hmm. You can, you can I look. turn a page in the book. I'd like you to make an arcana check, please, Bob. Okay, I'm going to have to do this in the chat because... Go ahead. Have some dice okay. uh, yeah, no dice currently. I don't have room for dice at the moment. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. Fair. There we go. Uh, of course, it's not working. Oh, it's it's lagging. I see. Ah, uh, twenty-four. Oh, that's wow. twenty. Jeez. You flip well, I'll through the. Wow, wasting that twenty per session. Thanks a lot. Yeah. You flip <laughs> through the book. <laughs> and at first, you see the words on the title, but you can't make the words on the title on the cover of the book emblazoned in gold, carved into the leather. You cannot read them. Open the book and begin to flick through, and you see that the vast majority of the book's pages are blank. However, a handful of the pages at the start of the book are filled. And while it does appear to indeed be a spellbook of some kind, it's quite unlike any wizard spellbook you've seen before, as most of the spells currently listed in it appear to be rituals 
and indeed the directions for casting the spells only describe how to cast them as a ritual and not how to employ the spell using normal spell casting means. Oh, very interesting, young Bobbit. Very interesting. Bobbit's just been standing here the whole time, just like bouncing from foot to foot, just beaming. Mm-hmm. At this time, um, yep. Bob, then go ahead, says, Bob. Wait here one minute. I have gift. Very and well. Hi, I, Tom. We're just doing catch up with the characters. I go to my room, go into my bag, and pull out a bottle of black ink and quill. I don't know if it'll be useful or not, but. Bob walks back and gives Bobbit the ink and quill. Bobbit, do you take the ink and quill? Mm-hmm. Bobbit eagerly takes the ink and quill and stuffs it away in her cloak, and then she almost snatches the book back off you, cradling it in her arms. At this point, you hear shuffling coming from the door to the basement behind the bar. You all turn to look at it, and there you see something you did not expect. About the size of a grapefruit, the small form of Blinky the Gazer slowly making his way out of the basement and into the bar proper, a place that he has never braved before. He looks around with his eye stalks, seeing all of you looking at him puzzled. And then he sees Bobbit and zooms over the bar towards him, eventually coming to rest on top of Bobbit's left shoulder, where he just hovers. (laughs) Does anyone remark on this? See him. Good to see him. Uh, Narthal, you guys got to ask. Do you? (laughs) The gazer stares back at. Yep. Because I I, I don't know that he uh, brought the gazer back to life, so I'm assuming it's another one. Mm, Very well. Want to ask about it? You just stare at the gazer hovering above Bobbit's shoulder, and it turns one of its eye stalks back at you. And then it smiles, a mischievous smile, and rolls its main eye at you. Oh, it just holds her. Bob holds up Blinky and goes, This is Bobbit's new familiar, Blinky. Blinky saved him from the sewers after Nana squashed him. <laughs> and yet you t- tell Marvel it's the same gazer. <laughs> well, it's a familiar now, so you can't kill it again. <laughs> Narthal. You see Narthal's face twist with a moment of anger. Narthal, do you do anything upon hearing this is the same gazer that you thought you squashed in the sewer hideout? Uh, Momentary lapse of anger, I break one of the tables. You slam your fist down on the table and there's a splinter of wood that flies off as you crack the bar. Mickey McGrood looks over, brought out of his reverie of reading a book by the sound. Mickey McGrood, it's been a while since you've had the chance to see the party all assembled. You look up from your book, 
you see Narthos just slammed his fist on the bar, while Bobbit is playfully stroking the eye stalk of a tiny beholderkin floating on her left shoulder. I smile at the um, young child playing with the, um, how can I say, the unconventional friend. Um, it bodes well that you can see the um, potential humanity in things that otherwise someone say my monsters. Yeah. Oh, but after you saved that bird person, Bob, Bob thought maybe he could help us, and Blinky could help us. This. I don't say anything, but this warms my heart to. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> uh, Bulb, what did you want to investigate? Actually, rolled on this guy, I just want to. Okay. So the, you, you broke uh, up. Yeah, sorry, Remy, you broke up. You're going to have to say that again. Okay, um. I just want to go up to Blinky and just look at him, looking closely, and go, hmm, all ice stalks looking in good health. Uh, a familiar is a very important thing to a magical user. Treat him well, and he shall treat you well. Hmm, yes. Yay! I, I go over to Xavier. Aver is curious. <laughs> so... All of you just gather around and, you know, beam at Blinky. Just examine him, stroke his eye stalks if you can, while Narthal stands there, sitting at the bar, taking loud sips out of his drink. I'll just... try to feed him. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to feed him, Ava? Oh, some meat. All right. You reach into your bag and you pull out a piece no, of dry... I've, I've oh. got my breakfast with me. Alright, yep. I'm civilised. You reach onto your plate and hold out a piece of bacon. He looks at you for a moment. And then he sticks out his tongue. Sort of a... Aah. I will place... I will use my beak to grab the bacon and place it on his tongue. He shies back at first, and then you place the bacon on his tongue, and he looks at you with his one eye, not sure whether to trust you or not. And then after a few moments of silence, he withdraws his tongue and crunches down on the meat with his sharp teeth. He looks at you and smiles, and then buries himself in Bobbit's cl in the folds of Bobbit's cloak. Ah, Before that, um... Now, uh, I just walk up to the small child, lean down, look directly into the gazer. Well, if your friend of Bob is now, I guess your friend of mine, and then just walk, walk off and sit down again. <laughs> when you get back, the door to the rooms behind the bar opens, and Veska, also known affectionate, <clears throat> affectionately as Moon Moon, step, steps out. She yawns for a moment. Briefly takes in the scene, and then sighs as she sits down behind the bar, grabs a dirty glass, and begins to clean it, using prestigitation upon it. She says, <sighs> she says, as long as this place doesn't turn into a menagerie, I suppose Bobbit can have his friends. 
orb immediately wild shapes into a dog. She rolls her eyes and she says, Well, I would uh, tell you off, but if I recall, you people have a job to do today. Uh, finding that horsewoman, as it were. And so, I'm going to remain here and hold down the fort. So luckily, I don't have to bear witness to your machinations today. She rolls her eyes again, grabs your grabs your empty glasses and plates and begins cleaning them. With that, you stand up, make sure you have your make sure you have your adventuring gear prepared, and then you begin you endeavor to begin the day's task of searching for Maxine Rios and the Lord's Alliance spy. Bob uh, turns back into his normal form, and as we're walking out the door, I walk past Nathal, tap him up, pat him on the shoulder, and go, You're paying for that table. And walk <laughs> out. I break the table even more. <laughs> you just slam down, oh, reducing it to split to wood, knowing that you'll have to pay for it. <laughs> You s all of you step out into the spring, the late spring sunlight of Trollskull Alley, and as you turn and begin to walk up the cobblestone path, you notice something peculiar. A man, half-elf by the looks of him, with very pale skin, uh, in his right hand, uh, in his right hand twirling a pistol, while his left hand holds a shield, begins to walk towards you, his scale armor glistening in the sunlight. I am he immediately has my attention. Shiny. <laughs> do you stop to uh do you stop as he hails you? I stop if Ava's stopping. Yeah, Raises his left hand twirling the pistol and he shouts out you there proprietors of the trolls gold manor i turn around and, and look at him and go um, what can i do for you sir he twirls his pistol one more time and then places it into a holster hanging off his belt and he says as he holds out a hand i'm trevor shardslinger Senior of the Artificers Guild here in Waterdeep. Do you take his hand? I do. He says, Word has reached my ear that you may cross paths with the Baker's Guild. And, as it would, as luck would have it, I have outstanding debts with the Baker's Guild, and I was going to collect them on my own, but I figured if there are adventurers who have the same mutual enemy as myself, then why not seek them out and join forces? I would say of being presumptuous to call them an enemy, but... 
Of course, it is a bit presumptuous to say it's an enemy. After all, you've been told that Maxine, the Lord's Alliance spy, was attempting to gather dirt on the Baker's Guild after the Lord's Alliance thought it would be prudent to investigate them to see if the rumours of them bullying bullying non-affiliated bakers and resorting to underhanded tactics such as employing standover men and other such thugs had any merit. It is in this line of work that Maxine went missing, but there is no proof that the Baker's Guild was behind it or that they will indeed be your enemies. Just the same as uh, Trevor Shard Slinger, who is Trav's character for today, pledges to assist you in uh, your work. Do we have anyone? Do we have anyone who does not accept? If it means taking down the uh, Baker's Guild, muscles all in. Abbot Lake's my friends. Mm-hmm. If we're going inside, Bulb would happily accept more people to help keep him alive. Lovely. Bulb does not like going inside. Very well. So, Travor Bladesinger, you've joined the party, and you flash everyone a smile as you return your right hand to the hilt of your pistol. You walk alongside them down the street, walking like a cowboy, as if you're ready to draw in a split second, if anything threatens you. Mm. And so, first order of business, you were told by Mert that uh, Maxine spends her days in the form of a horse, drawing carts and drays in various parts of the city. And it is through this guise, as a normal workhorse, that she gathers most of her intel. As she is but a woman, taking the guise of a horse, she's gained something of a reputation in the city, and every dray driver in Waterdeep has heard of Maxine, the horse famous for leading herself to work every morning and back home on her own in the evening. And so, it would be quite easy to find out... uh, which dray she pulls by asking pretty much any cart drive, any cart driver here in the city. So, who would like to do? Who would like to do a charisma check? Let me say charisma. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very well. What? Wait, how the hell do I have less than everyone else? My whole thing's meant to be charisma. Uh, but it's just gonna get read a book. We <laughs> shall do. We shall allow. I shall allow two of you to make charisma checks. One of you shall make a. One of you shall make a persuasion check, and the other shall make a deception check. I suggest you let me do the persuasion check. Actually, I'm equally good at either. Wait, which? One, what do you have for persuasion? Uh, my persuasion is plus. Uh, wait a second. Uh, plus nine. Oh, oh god. Yeah. I, I got plus six. You and can... Also, also, I can't roll less than a ten on it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I, have... I have plus six, so, um, oh, no, well, well. So is it, um, if it relies on, uh, if it relies on my looks, I have advantage as well. 
yes, and and because you have the uh, unnaturally clean armor, you do get an advantage. So I would like you to roll a persuasion check with a, a persuasion or deception check with advantage, and one other of you may do the may one mm. other of you may do say an investigation check. Investigation, is, yeah. yeah, not me. <laughs> I have plus two for investigation. Oh, and that's, yes, and that's that's right five. Two ah, so tr- oh, we're in a row. Right, well, I was going to suggest Trayvor roll for it, but uh, Never mind. Bob went ahead and did it and got the nat no, 20. No, no Tom. Got oh, yeah. oh, yeah, Tom got nat 20. All right, uh, so Trayvor, yeah, uh, go ahead and roll your investigation. So how you do that is you roll a d20 and add the plus number next to your investigation skill. Might need to tell him um, how to roll dice in my lucky dice. Oh yes, so what I'd like you to do is type exclamation mark D20 in the channel Milo's Lucky Dice. Oh, sorry, I thought Liam gave you a physical dice. Uh, uh, what was it? Exclamation... Yep, exclamation mark D20. Yeah, we're going. We give it a few seconds because it's running a bit slow today. That's a two plus your. So that is a fail, unfortunately. As you walk around the streets trying to look out to see if there's any dray that, uh, if there's any dray with any horse resembling Maxine or any dray with members of the Baker's Guild uh, riding on it. But you're unable to see anything, and so it's down to Mickey McGrude, who walks up to a number of cart and dray drivers, his clean armour glistening in the sunlight, and this gives off the impression that he's some sort of, uh, some sort of high noble of Waterdeep. And so the lowly drivers, eager to get his business, uh, tell him everything that you wish to know. And so they tell you, Mickey, that uh, everyone's heard of Maxine, of course. The smartest horse and the envy of every cart driver. Everyone would love to have a horse like her who finds her way to work in the morning and is able to travel any route without being shown first. All you need to do is tell her where you like to go and she will find her way there. However, unfortunately, at the moment, she's pledged to serve just one dray, and that is a dray decked out in blue and purple velvet that can normally be found uh, servicing nobles and senior guild craftsmen in the castle ward. And so, you proceed to the castle ward to look for this blue and purple dray. Now that you know what you're looking for, I would like you to make another investigate check with advantage. So who would like to perform that? Not me. <laughs> what are we have? Investigation. Investigation check with advantage. Right, so I'll 
So with advantage, yep. So what advantage means is you roll twice and you take the higher one. Alright, so it's just uh, exclamation d20. That's it. Plus, yeah, plus five. So go ahead. Okay, and... Ah, well, you won't need to do a second roll, because that one will be fine, 18. So, once Mickey Magrood returns and informs you uh, that you're looking in the castle ward for a dray decked out in blue and purple velvet, you know what to look for. You immediately head down to the castle ward and search in amongst the uh, extravagant downtown buildings, the nobles, the rich craftsmen, the seniors and uh, the seniors and higher ranking members of various guilds and within an hour of searching you find the blue and purple dray. It's plodding along a plodding along a cobblestone street trying to make its way through a crowd of uh, through a bustling crowd of nobles and craftsmen. The horse is plodding along slowly, looking somewhat spooked by the crowds, and a fat, mustachioed man sits at the front of the dray, shouting, Come on, Applejack! Get on with it! What would you like to do? Um, are we all there? Yes, you're all there. Um... So just remind me, is this purple-dressed horse meant to be... This purple dray is the one that's meant to be pulled by the horse you're looking for. But right. at the moment, uh, you know the horse is named to be Maxine, but at the moment it's being pulled by just a generic horse who goes by the name Applejack, according to what the driver's shouting out. But this All is right. definitely, this appears to definitely be the dray you're looking for. Uh, I step forward and I go... Um, hello, good sir. I'd like you to make a charisma check, please. Just a straight one, with advantage because of your armour. Charisma. Everything being slow. 17, plus uh, your charisma. Plus yep, I don't think advantage was needed there. You step out of the crowd and hail the cab driver. He looks up at you and seeing your gleaming immaculately clean armour and uh, your well-to-do well-to-do dress clothing that you wore to the opera the previous night. He beams and he gestures to you to come over. He holds out a hand straight away and he says Ah, oh, welcome! Welcome! Uh, Wilbur Post at your service! He holds out a holds out a red hand with stubby fingers, some dirt, uh, some dirt blemishing his leathery skin. Uh, what's the typical naming scheme of the nobility of the area? Do they have, like, Germanic names, or...? Uh, they have vaguely British-sounding names, like Sir Poppington Upford, or something like that. Um, I raise my hand and I say, Ah, uh, Dillingsworth. And I shake it. 
You shake his hand. He looks at you. He smiles. Do you want me to roll deception because I'm putting... Ah, yes, go ahead. Please roll deception. With advantage, because you do you do look the part. Uh, it's 21. Uh, 21, yes. He smiles and he gestures towards the seat beside him on the cab. And he says, Welcome. Uh, can't believe my luck. I've not had... Uh, not had... Uh, any customers all day, let alone one of your clear stature. He says, feel free to climb aboard and tell me where you wish to go. That I must apologize. My regular horse is uh, not to be found. And I've had to make do, with, make do with poor old Applejack here. He gestures towards the rather disheveled looking uh, workhorse that's attached to the cab in front of him. Um, I look in the, in the bray, is there room for the entire party? There is room. Um, I say, so, um, would there be no objection to me bringing along my retinue? He says, feel free, feel free, but again, uh, be prepared for your ride to be, well... If I had Maxine here, I'd be able to get you to where you need to go in a jiffy. But, well, look at Applejack. He gestures once again to the threadbare-looking workhorse. Um... I will... Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, I've got distracted by... The gif. Animation. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I mean, do we actually have to be anywhere? Do we have to go anywhere right now? Well, you're supposed to be looking for the horse, Maxine, which he's just revealed to you is his usual horse. Yeah, but we've got nowhere we're supposed Yeah, you've got to nowhere um, you're supposed I'll, to be. Yeah. I'll, I'll you can just a, climb I'll aboard. A I'll just climb aboard and I'll book a ride back to the, 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 the tavern that we are in. Um, sure. Uh, and I'll pay that out of my own, uh, leaving a, a gold piece, um, tip as well. Climb aboard, says Wilbur Post. And he opens the back door of the dray to allow the party to climb in. Can the inside Bulb? of the dray is Can rather lovely. Yep, yes, Bulb? Can Bulb, um, just... Uh, inspect the horse to see to see if he can tell what exactly is not wrong with the horse, but like what is causing it to not be efficient? Like, is it scared? Is it in poor, like, really poor condition, even though it's scruffy? Make a nature check, please. Psychology yeah. check right there. Uh, I was making suspicion its main failing is the fact that it's not a human wonder horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the way Dale described it, it doesn't sound good either. Yeah, that's true. Plus four. Uh, let's see. D20 plus four. Come on, dice spot. Ah, lovely. 15. As the rest of the party climb into the luxurious dray and make themselves at home on the leather seats inside, you examine the horse, Applejack. There does not appear to be anything wrong with him. 
It's just that he's of a rather advanced age and definitely not in uh, not in the right condition for strenuous work. At his age, the most intense work he should be doing is maybe carrying a pack across a field and that's it. He should not be pulling a cab or a dray through crowded city streets. While I'm in the back of the thing, I want to see if there's anything I can use to track uh, Nashi, Maxine. Um, I'd like you to make an investigation check, please. Oh, look, why did I do a d4? <laughs> Let's try that again. Uh, come on, dice bot. There we go. 14 there minutes, two. You look around, and to your disappointment, you don't find anything useful. It appears the dray is thoroughly cleaned at the end of each day. As you look, Bulb climbs aboard, and Wilbur Post says, Yeah! and spurs old Applejack, who begins to lazily carry the dray slowly down the street. Is it all possible I'd like to ride next to the... Next to the driver? Yes. Go ahead, there appears to be a... Spot on the, there appears to be a seat right next to him, and as you climb out onto the front, he looks at you and smiles, but doesn't say anything. I strike up a conversation with him. Go, so by the sound of it, you make it sound like you had a bit of a wonder horse in the uh, as a previous mount, let's say. Make a persuasion check, not with advantage this time. I mean, does a 19 pass? Now, of course it does. Because, because that's, 10. that's I know. the minimum I can roll. Yep. <laughs> you strike up a conversation uh. with him and ask him about the Wonder Horse. With frustration, he continues to spur Applejack, and then as Applejack drifts to the side of the street and begins to, and begins to chomp on the leaves of a... Leaves of a bush on the side of the street. He sighs and he says, oh, What I wouldn't give for Maxine back. <sighs> she would find her way to work in the morning. She'd go any route. You didn't need to show it to her. You'd just tell her where you want to go. And, well, she'd find her way there. <sighs> he sighs again. He says, I was about Six months ago now, I was approached by an old woman who identified herself as Mrs. Orseman. The woman offered the services of her mare for two silver pieces a day. I thought it was too good to be true. It must cost her more than that to keep a good horse like that stabled. I guess she just felt the old girl needed the exercise. Well, the tone was set the following morning, the mare found its own way to the dray, waited to be hitched. At the end of the day, when I unhitched it, went home on its own. It's done so every workday since. He says, you know, 
One time I even followed the horse after it was unhitched for the day. Followed her all the way to a stable on Nag Street in the dock ward. The horse opened the gate to the stable itself, went into the stable, and then closed the gate behind it. Like a well-trained horse. He sighs wistfully and says, yes. He says, well, unfortunately, she's failed to show up for work for several days now, leaving me stuck with Applejack here to inadequately do the job. I went by the stable yesterday evening, but couldn't find old Maxine. I sure hope Mrs. Horseman hasn't reneged on her arrangement and loaned Maxine out to another dray. Out of curiosity, was there any unusual that happened before her her disappearance yeah I will admit you're having quite a thrill with the story of this with the horse he says well in the days before she stopped showing up this dray had been uh, well rented out for the exclusive use of the Baker's Guild for several days and so all that time uh, we almost exclusively uh, gave lift to members of the Baker's Guild. And, for some reason, the entire time they were aboard, Maxine, well, it was almost like she was trying to listen in, travelling ever so slower than usual and tilting her head, try as she might, as if she were trying to catch snatches of the customer's conversation. He once more fruitlessly tries to spur Applejack, and then he sighs and gives up as Applejack is just parked on a nature strip beside the cobblestone street and is grazing on the grass. And he says, So, sir. He says, I'm I'm so sorry, sir, but uh, I'm afraid I won't be able to get you to where you want to go. He says, Please, please, uh, have your gold piece back. Least I can do. I said, don't treat the horse too hard. Maybe give it an extra harm, extra bale of hay to feast on tonight, and perhaps a treat for carrying it over. And I would like to do this, cast this as a suggestion. He looks at you and he says, Yes, yes, well, uh. I suppose with all the extra money I made from Maxine, the least I could do is give old a- Applejack a good feeding. Yes, yes, I think I'll get him back to the stable now and try to fatten him up for a good day of work tomorrow. I flick him a gold coin and I say, put that towards his dinner. He smiles ruefully at you and puts away the coin and as you climb off the dray, he... Would it be pointless to talk to the horse? You could try to talk to the horse if you think that's going to be useful. Mm-hmm. If you think the horse might know something, go ahead and talk to it. Where was the horse stable before it came back into use? Um, he says, "Oh, Applejack's my own horse. Shares a stabled next to my house in the dock." Ward. Used to pull the dray when he was younger, but when he got to his old age, I'd have thought I'd give him a bit of a break, but 
I must admit, unfortunately, I have been neglecting him a tad. What with Maxine and all. Well, this horse gives you good service for many years of its life, and as soon as another horse comes along, you just ignore it? He looks at you and he smiles briefly, says, Say no more, say no more. Your noble friend here has made me realize the error of my ways. From now on, I'm going to give Applejack the love he deserves, and you never know, maybe I won't lead Maxine back after all. Oh. oh, I want to go and give the horse the scraps and, and the treat. You reach over, you pull out some scraps, and you hand them to Applejack. And he looks at the scraps, and then he goes, and eats them out of your hand. Good boy. <laughs> I will be right back, sorry. <laughs> so, you have gleaned the location of where Maxine was stabled. Nag Street in the Dock Ward. Is there anything else you would like to do? Or would you, or would you like to head over there to your next uh, lead? Mm. I see where I reason not to. Was anybody else? Mm, I'm fine with going along. You thank Wilbur Post for his service, even though he only managed to carry you to the end, a couple blocks out of the castle ward, and then you hail another dray and spend one gold piece for it to take you to Nag Street in the uh, dock ward to the I south. Like I, could, I could just ride next to the carriage on my Oh, yeah, sure, you can. <laughs> So you make your way down to the dock ward and at Nag Street, a short lane off the Way of the Dragon in the south, far southeast corner of Waterdeep. You find a row of small apartments and shops, all elevated above their private horse stables underneath. You easily locate the stable that is supposedly Maxine's at the end of the street with the apartment above having been turned into a storage room for horse feed and other stable accessories. You climb off the dray onto the cobblestone street and you walk towards the stable. The stable is empty. There's no sign of any horse. The windows on the storage room above covered in dust, as if they haven't been cleaned in quite some time. What would you like to do? Um, I guess take a closer look. Uh, very well. Um, so what would you like to take a closer look at? The stable, or would you like to check the apartment above the storage room? Um, I'll... Oh, that's... Maybe the, the apartment above. Very well. You spread your wings, and would you just like to fly up to one of the windows and peer, on, peer through it? Yeah. 
very well. You spread your wings and you lift off the cobblestone street. You hover above one of the dusty windows. Place your eye towards the window pane and try to see through the layer of dust. I'd like you to make a perception check, please. Are we currently with her? Yes, you're all together. You're just standing okay. in front of the stable as she flies up to check the apartment above the stable. Is there a way to reset the bot? I'm... <laughs> yeah, let me see if there's a way to do that. You might have to look up a D&D &D dice roller or something, because... Yeah, it doesn't look like I can. Yeah. You peer through the dusty window, the layer of dust suggesting that this place, that the windows at least have not been cleaned for quite some time. And despite the sign beside the, uh, beside the sign hanging along the front of the apartment, uh, stating that this is a storage room for horse feed and other horse care supplies. On the other side of the window, you see nothing but an empty apartment. There's no furniture, there's no horse feed, just an open, empty room, the floor covered in a thick layer of dust. It appears that the apartment itself has gone unused for quite some time. But of course, you think as you as you hover back down onto the street, if Maxine is just a woman masquerading as a horse, then there wouldn't really be any need for... There wouldn't really be any need for her quote-unquote owner to stockpile horse feed and other supplies. It's probably just part of the facade. Are there any other animals or signs of animals around? Ah, uh, there are a couple of the neighbouring stables have horses in them. Okay, um... There is also question. the empty stable in front of you, which might be worth uh, a closer look from someone who knows animals and how to care for them. Perhaps someone who can talk to animals, perhaps they perhaps interview those horses. Yes. So maybe question. I can talk to animals? Yep. <laughs> Did... My transformation into a dog in the bar count towards my wild shape charges? No, because that was just flavour. It was just role playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um. Well, well. Sorry. You Sorry, Remy, out. you cut out there. Buddy, that's it. Um, can you hear me now? Yep, we can hear you now. Ah, oh, damn! Yeah, you just cut out again the moment I said I could hear you. It's being a bit weird today. I, I yeah. have to go and fuck around with my mic setting. Yeah, it is. It's being weird today. I'm fucking setting my computer back up after I eat. <laughs> um, okay, can you... While Ava talks to the, like horses. the horses, if she wants to, Yep. can I wild shape... Actually, can I investigate if there's signs of mice and I would rats? Say... I would like you to please make an animal handling check to... You're just going to search the stable for signs of mice or rats? Yes. Okay. I'd like you to make an animal handling check, please. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> and that's funny. <laughs> you head into the stable and you look around and you find, first of all, that the stable is very clean. There's no hay scattered around, the trough isn't full, there's only just enough here, almost as if someone wanted to give the impression that this stable is being used when it's really not. There's no sign that a horse has actually ever been stable here overnight. And furthermore, because of this, at the back of the stable, you find a large mouse hole chewed into the wood board. I would like to wild shape into a mouse and try to... A rat or a mouse, whichever one it was. Be um, a rat, yep. Sorry, Remy, you cut out after after you said you want to turn into a rat. Turn into a rat, but first yep. I want yep. to pull out a ration and place it next to the hole so that when I go in, I can offer the ration as... You place... Um, you open one of your rations, take out a chunk of dried cheese and place it in front of the mouse hole. You hear shuffling and squeaks coming from inside, but no rat comes out. Then, you spend one of your wild shape uses for the day to turn into a rat, and you go into the hole. As soon as you enter, you see the red glowing... The, the glowing, almost reddish eyes of... Four other rats watching you as you enter their domain. Oh, who's that? Says one of the rats. <laughs> oh, Bob, I really wish they'd taken talk with animals as a ritual. <laughs> Hello, friends. Uh, I'm here in, in investigation. I have food as offerings for answers, as long as they are truthful. Oh, he's investigationing, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, look, if you've brought food, you come in and you ask your questions, mate. Uh, make yourself at home, says one of the rats, gesturing to what appears to be a pile of heaped dirt and hay, serving as some kind of bed beside it. As if he's asking you to take a seat. Make myself at home. Make myself comfortable. One of the rats rushes out to grab the cheese, and as he, as you see him pop out the hole, you hear him shout, Oi, fuck yeah, this thing's as big as me bloody head, isn't it? And then he comes back in, holding the lump of cheese in his front paws. He places it down between you and all the other rats, and they all look longingly at it. The leader rat, the one who asked you to sit down, looks towards you, and he says, all right, Zen Governor, what questions you got or you want to ask? First off, make yourself, feel free to eat it. Uh, after I finish questioning, I will give you plenty more. Oh, yeah! First off, uh, there was a horse stabled in this stable. I guess, English words. An um, horse? What can you tell me of this horse? An horse, an horse. Oi, you lads, uh, what do we know about the horse what stays here sometimes? One of the other rats looks up from a mouthful of cheese, looks towards you and says, Oi, what is her name? Uh, Maxine, uh, in it? In Maxine, right? Uh, look. He says, uh, look, uh, 
She comes here most days, uh, lets herself in the stable, sits down for about an hour, uh, waits until the stable hands have all come and gone, and then uh, it, turns, uh, it turns into a, you know, a big folk, a, a human, you know. Yeah, yeah, Newman! Parrot the other rats. He has gone missing recently. Do you... Was, has there been any commotions around here? Oh, well... Uh, the, the, the stable master's been putting up mouse traps, but I, I don't think that's what you mean, innit? Um, no, but... If you prove useful today, I can go and talk to him about that if you wish. He says, Hmm. So no more mouse traps and some more food. Am I hearing you correctly? Definitely. Anybody that is of use gets food, especially if you're rats and you don't really eat as much as I eat. Bulb, I'd like you to make a persuasion check with advantage. Ah, shit. <laughs> uh, I am. Pretty sure my charisma is zero. Yep, plus zero, and I do not have persuasion. Okay. So that was with advantage, was it? Sorry? Yep, and you only. DC is only eight. You're just sweetening, you're just closing the deal. 2d20. A 17. Lovely! You did it! <laughs> the rat nods. He says, Yeah, alright, alright, you've got a deal. Alright, so, uh. Nothing in the way of commotions, but right, look, that Maxine, I can't imagine who'd want to go after her. She's a kindly old lady. Look, we've, we, we, we don't, you know, we haven't gone up, we're not game enough to go and show ourselves to her what and everything, but oh, we hear her lovely singing every time she go, every time she closes up the stable for the night. Is the best singing is heavenly. The other rat pops up and says, Yeah, yeah, singing. What was that we heard her mention to the stable land one time? Oh, yeah, that's right. She's a uh, a professor at the, at the Bard's College. Uh, whatever that is. Interesting. Very interesting. He says, he looks at you mm. and he says, yeah, 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 I remember now, I remember now. It was the new Old Lambards College. I don't know what that is, I don't even know if it's edible, right, innit? Uh, I assume that thing is not edible, so it's probably best to stay away from that. I doubt they'd take kindly to such fine folk as yourselves. The rat says, well... That's all we know. Well, we held up our end of the bargain, so where's yours, sunshine? Just one more quick question, and then I will pay up in full. The rat look at you. Did she leave willingly, or was there a scuffle here recently? Oh, well, last time she left, she left on her own, but... You know, she wasn't singing. I get the impression your mind was a bit, uh, you know, uh, preoccupied or something. For your information, um, I think it's time that I... 
Oh, fuck yeah, say the rats as you depart from their domain. Wild shape and back into your main and place. Yep. And I leave two full rations. Two full rations for them. And then, as you leave, you leave a note on the front of the stable, just leaving a message to the stable hand to leave no mouse traps in this particular stable, or he will hear about it from the Emerald Enclave. Okay, so you appear to have found a lead. You may you may head over to this Bard College, see if anyone's seen her recently, or you may carry out any other lines of investigation, try to find and question the stable hands, have a look inside the empty apartment above, but you get the feeling that these are unnecessary. Um, well, I'm leaving that decision up to you guys. So what does everyone think? After after Bulb informs you of what the rats told him, that Maxine apparently is a professor at the New Olam Bard College. This provides... I feel like I'm probably not going to get any more information from the horses. Yeah, you, you might or might not, but if if they only if she only comes here, transforms back into a normal shape and leaves, then yeah, it's likely that that's all they'll have seen of her as well. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'd be oh, interested to go to the Bard College at the very least. Of course. <laughs> the new so, any objections to going to the Bard's College? No. Oh, look at the fact that yep. there's going to be bars there. <laughs> Bob's just, just been kind of had her nose in her book the entire time. So <laughs> she's kind of going along with everyone else. Very well. I would sure. like to point out I am a non-college bard. I was... You're self-taught. Yeah. Well, non-union. Like... Yeah. So you're oh, eager oh. to actually see what the inside of a bard college looks like. <laughs> It's entirely possible my mentor might have been one, though. I'll leave that decision up to you. Um, just, yeah. Very well. So the new Olam Bard College is not a place you've actually heard of, is it? No, it's not a place in Waterdeep that you've had a reason to go before. And so even though you know the rough vicinity of it, you're going to have to ask for directions. And sometimes these bard colleges can be particularly well hidden. And so, I would like somebody to please make an investigate check, while someone else makes a survival check. I'll do survival. Investigation. Very well. I'm just average at all of these. Aha, so that's a pass from both of you. Lovely. Okay. You ask around, read the signs, and with Mickey's help, who shows you some of the cryptic bard signs that are left to help point other bards to the college, you eventually make your way to New Olam Bard College, which is 
smack dab in the middle of the trade's ward. New Olam rests against the city's western wall, northwest of Blackstaff's tower. And when you reach it, you find yourselves slightly disheartened as the Bard's College is perched right at the very top of the city wall with no with no obvious way to reach the front entrance. Who wants a lift? Bob just raises her hand. Mm -hmm. Bob gets a lift. <laughs> okay, so Ava, you're lifting Bobbit up, so you don't need yeah. to roll for anything. You just grab Bobbit and you fly up to the front entrance. And do you knock on the front door? Do we want to knock on the front door, Bobbit? Yeah, Bobbit will go bang on the door. Bobbit bangs on the front door. There's silence for a moment, and then the door glows, and then a large, and then a large mouth, red, rose red giant lips materialize on the front of the door, and the lips smile, and they say, Welcome to New Orleans. What would your business be in the college today? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm Mr. Dog. We're looking for the horse lady. Mm. Horse lady. <laughs> the, the lips frown and say, Horse lady? We're looking for a Ah, you mean Professor Riozan. Yes, yes. Well, uh... Look, she must be expecting you then if you know her if you know her name. She's hardly ever in and uh, we didn't I didn't notice her arrive, but uh, feel free to come on in. Her office is on the lower level. The only other people who've been asking around for her are two rather scruffy looking gentlemen a few days ago. The lips smile and then with a creak, the two front doors open allowing you to land inside the mouth of the door, emerging in a marbled hallway that is immaculately clean. You look down at the rest of your companions standing at the bottom of the, the bottom of the wall, and then the lips smile cheekily and say, Oh! They don't have, they don't know how to levitate yet, I take it? No. Very well, very well. We'll provide some assistance, but be very careful. The students here usually fly the way up, and unfortunately, the ladder is not kept in the best shape. The lips smile and then fade away as a stone on the city wall slides open and a, uh, and a rope ladder drops out allowing you to climb up the wall. The rope ladder looks as if it's seen better days and is quite frayed in some parts of it. And so, I'd like the rest of you to make uh, climb checks, please, to make it up without damaging it any further. That's athletics? Ah, uh, yes, athletics, please. So I was thinking of Call of Cthulhu. I'm so glad I got a list for this. Or you can attempt acrobatics if that's... If 
whatever's higher, either acrobatics or athletics for you. Yeah, I'm going to... just poking the door. <laughs> yep, and you will need a 10 to pass. Yeah, it can pass for me. Strength is plus 2. Lovely, that's a pass. Fail. Fail. Okay. Bulb, you eventually manage to make your way up the ladder. But on your first attempt, when you're about two feet from the door, the rung you're holding on snaps. And you tumble down, slamming your back into the cobblestones below. And you take one point of bludgeoning damage. You brush, brush yourself off, and then on your second attempt, you manage to make your way up, just as the rope ladder snaps behind you and tumbles down uselessly to the street below. How far up was it? About 30 feet. I hand them my rope. <laughs> well, that'll help you get down. As you step into the marbled hall... The wooden doors slowly shut behind you, and you begin to make your way into the Bard College, heading towards uh, heading towards Maxine's office, following the directions you were given by the strange lips. The inside of the college is a veritable maze, and if you weren't told where to go, it's very likely you'd get lost. The hallways seem to twist in upon themselves. Uh, columns of marble seem to bend and twist and selectively block off hallways just for the hell of it. And as if that weren't enough, you see several stairways that abruptly shift and change their heading just as you approach them. You pass by... Yeah, you, you press... you pass by several classrooms where you see bardic education in progress, the lectures amounting to either cacophonous singing or several, or, or illusion magic being cast first by the professor, then by his students. And for you, Mickey, Having seen what a Bard College is actually like, and seeing how all of the students learn by listening to the professor and then repeating, this, combined with the horribly off-tune singing, makes you somewhat grateful that you're self-taught. You find your way... Oh, you can keep an eye out. And I would like you to make a perception check, please. Um. Oh, only six. Only six? Yeah. The whole place is shiny, and you're kind of distracted by all the marble and the reflective tiles and the walls that are polished almost to a mirror sheen to be able to make out anything shiny. And so, you eventually make your way down into the lower levels. 
the lower levels, which according to a sign, are reserved for the postgraduate students and senior professors only. And at this point in time, appears to be almost deserted, past several empty classrooms and offices. Until you turn a corner and see a sign emblazoned on a doorway in front of you. This stone plaque placed in front of a deep red mahogany door simply reads, Professor Maxine Riozan, pretending to be animals. What do you do? Oh, knocks on the door. As you approach the door, I would like you all to make perception checks, please. Oh, goody. And these oh, may, and these will be done with disadvantage due to the din of the college where all the other bards in training are singing, casting magic. Yeah. I managed to roll 17 twice. So that's one pass. That's a fail from Mickey. Twelve. Wait, are we doing... Ah, yep. We're doing with disadvantage? Perception yeah. check yep. disadvantage, please. Alright, uh... uh... Seventeen. Seventeen, okay, so two passes. Three passes, so three out of three. Alright, that is a group pass. As you approach the door, you hear shuffling coming from an empty classroom to your right, followed by whispered voices. Eyes out, Remy, here they come. Here they come. Yeah, yeah, let's do what the boss said. Let's shank them, eh? <laughs> and then, as you draw your weapon... Yes, you can. And then as you draw, as you fly up and draw your weapons, two humanoid figures, half man, half rat, leap out of, leap out through a nearby doorway, standing in front of you, weapons drawn. You were not, you knew they were coming, and as they see your weapons are drawn, the were-rat on the left turns to his friend and says, Well, how about this, Remy? They're not as helpless as we thought they would be. I've been itching for a good fight. Roll initiative, oh, please. I would like to think I'm more adequate than that. <laughs> Quick question, can I roll to see if I recognise either of these? Ah, uh, yes, you can. Um, is that an insight check? Ah, uh, yes, it would be an insight check. Uh, well... You do not recognise either of them as the were-rat you saw in the sewers, but you do notice that their attire is the same colour, the same green cloaks and dirty leather armour, indicating that they must, at the very least, be part of the same gang, the, uh, sh oh. the shard stunners. And Ava is thinking, hmm, big dinner. <laughs> yeah. I've so, got a 14 for initiative. <laughs> yep. Uh, my initiative is 20, not now. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, Bob got 17. Bob got 20. Uh, what is everyone else? Okay, so uh, Trav, for your initiative, you just roll a d20 and you add your initiative value. Uh, 
Yep, done that. Got 19, I think. Ooh, 19. Well done. Yeah, I also 19. got 19. Alright, so I'll let... I'll let... What's your dex, Kitty? Uh, four. Four. Okay, so oh, you'll go four, first four, then. Sorry. You'll go. You'll go first then. Um, so that's twenty. All right, put Bobbit at twenty-one. How did you do, Mickey? Oh, and Narthal. How's Narthal's initiative looking as well? Six. Six. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Six for Narthal, and we'll roll for Mickey when we get to him. Okay, I'll roll for the enemies. And to uh, look at 11. Ah, 17. Okay, lovely. Uh, Alright, so Mickey. Alright, got it. Alright, I'm bringing up the map. Alright, uh, let's encounter. I will reveal the vision. You can see one wear rat. But as you draw your weapons, the other were-rat ducks out of sight. Okay. So first up, we have Bobbit. It's your turn. Yay. Oh, that reminds me. Do I have to roll for um, Blinky as well? Uh, no, I'll roll for Blinky. No, first, first well, actually, up, well, actually, you've got his stat block handy, so yeah, you can roll for it. Yes, I do. Uh, he got an 8. He got an eight. Okay. Uh, very well. Eight. All right, Bobbit, you're up. All right. Well, as much as I want to try some of my newest stuff, I'm going to hold up on that for now. So for now, I'm going to go with a good old version Eldritch Blast on the uh, one We're that I can see. number one. Very well. Go ahead. Is it a 12 hit? Uh, 12 does just hit. Roll your damage. Ooh. Oh, lucky break. Alright. And, oh shit, that's a 10, so it's 14 points of damage off the bat. 14 points of damage. As the were-rat draws his short sword and snarls at you, you fire off an Eldritch Blast. It hits him, sending him sprawling to the ground. He groans and climbs back up onto his feet. Okay. Ava, it is your turn. Okay, the other one's moved out of sight, hasn't he? Yes. You don't know where he's gone. Because right. uh, it was a, I'm it was gonna... half the group passed, so that means one where rat. You know where one is, the other one you don't. Okay, I want to fly forward a little bit. Okay. A bit more. <laughs> bit more. Keep going. <laughs> Up to here. I guess. Um, uh, or you want to fly right up to him? I guess I better fly right up. Alright, and. Seems like I haven't been able to see where the other one is, and now I'm gonna kill this guy. Alright, so go ahead and attack. Twenty-four, that's a hit. Roll for damage. I have a new ability. You do. Um, I have a couple. Uh, so my fae wanderer thing is the dreadful strike. 
Yep, which does. Um, uh, one it'll do an extra d4. Yep. Okay, so go ahead, roll your attack okay. and roll an extra one d4. Yep, okay, so first of all, as you swing your blade at him, it seems to vibrate in your hand and then bounce off his flesh, and you notice that only the extra damage from your dreadful strike actually landed. He, as a were-rat, as a lycanthrope, he is immune to all slashing or bludgeoning damage that's not from a silvered or magical weapon. Well, I look very confused. But go ahead, make your second attack. Um, just a sec. I will use my bonus action to disengage. To disengage. Which direction would and you like to go? Up or right or down? Uh, I'll go back. Alright. Um, however much movement I have. Yes, about, about to there. So I've got 50 feet of movement all up. Ah, oh, yep, so alright, you can go to, yeah, we go, about halfway back. Yeah. And, um, I guess that's useful information for everyone else. Yep. Alright. <laughs> it is now, uh, it is now Travor's turn. What would you like to do? Uh, well, firstly, is there any way I can see the map, or...? Uh, yes, so if you notice, uh, my name, it has the letter LIVE next to it. Double-click on that, and you should see the map. Just behind Ava. Just behind Ava. Very well. Yep. And then, if I've got an attack, yep. I might, uh... You do have an attack. Now, I don't think your pistol is magic, so he will be immune to no. that. But I think you have a spell that you might be able to hit him with. Frost. Yeah, that's a good one. Alright. Alright, so go ahead and roll to hit with Ray of Frost. So roll a d20 and add the uh, spell attack modifier on your spell casting page. Uh, spell attack bonus? Yep, that's the one. Fifteen, that's a hit. Okay, go ahead and roll your damage, and as your ray of frost hits him, it slows his movement as icicles drip off his body. Six points of damage, not bad at all. Okay, it is the enemy's turn. Okay, so this were-rat cannot move very far, so instead he reaches into his coat and he pulls out a hand crossbow and he fires it at Ava and he misses. So you saved her skin there, Trevor. I make an angry squawk. <laughs> Meanwhile, the second were rat 
rushes out of a nearby office and runs up to Trevor, drawing an attack of opportunity from Ava. So Ava, um, it doesn't matter if you hit him with your attack of opportunity because he'll be immune anyway. So you strike out at him. Your blade. Uh, damage immune, to again, immune to bludgeoning and slashing damage from weapons that aren't silver or magic. Okay, so I can still shoot with a. Uh, well, a bow more. is a bow is blood is piercing damage. Sorry, is immune. Are they immune to piercing or is it just bludgeoning and slashing? Oh no, you can actually shoot your bow at him. Go ahead. Oh, please. So go ahead, make an I attack of opportunity. I, can't make I wish I hadn't used Oh, you can't, that's right, yeah. You can't make attack of opportunities with ranged weapons unless you have the feet for it, so unfortunately um, you're unable to hit it. So he's going to make a... He's going to make a multi-attack on Trevor, and the first one, Trevor manages to deflect, but the second short sword attack hits, and Trevor takes... Four points of damage. She's but a scratch. Tis but a scratch. Then, out of the room behind you, emerges a swarm of rats. The swarm of rats rushes up to Narthal. <laughs> and then, it makes an attack. A content... Oh, you're getting attacked by rats. Just oh, getting yeah. attacked by a swarm of rats, yes. Oh, no. uh, let's see, bite, and the bite misses, of course, as the rats try to swarm you but cannot get the past your heavy armor. You're gonna squish them, rats. Then, <laughs> there's one final enemy. A second swarm of rats oh, bursts yeah. out into the hallway, runs past, runs up to... Uh, Bobbit and you trust my Bobbit? Oh, makes, no. makes a bite attack on Bobbit and hits. And Bobbit, take you take eleven points of damage from the swarm of rats oh. as they swarm oh, all God. over you. Ow! 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 The audacity! Okay. To bite my Bobbit. It is, uh, Mickey's turn. Alright. Uh, Mickey will... Uh, am I kind of stuck out of the room because of how all that... Um, actually, yeah, you've been... Oh, I, you can... I'll make it you can move through spaces occupied by party members, so you can get out. Uh, and what's that thing there that's in front of me? Blinky, that's that's um Bobbit's familiar. Oh, that's, that, that's cool. All right. Yep. All right. Um, I will. So I won't have seen. I won't have seen the um other. The... Yeah, it doesn't have. It doesn't have the other wear rat in your field of vision, so you won't see him until you move out. Cool. Uh, what I might do is I see that Bobbit's under attack from the rats. I will try and put them all to sleep with a sleep spell. Ah, good choice. Okay, go ahead and roll. Uh, 5d8, I believe. Yep. Uh, right. 
Uh, so that's 23 points of sleep. Okay, so you manage to put a uh, swarm of rats 2 to sleep, but swarm of rats 1 stays awake. And they chitter, sparing their teeth at you. Okay, next up it is... Uh, it is Blinky's turn, and you did not use an action for Blinky, so I get to choose what Blinky does. Fair deal. Blinky... Oh. Yep. Bulb got a 14. So what oh yeah, sorry, here? Bulb. Yeah, Bulb, then. Go ahead, Bulb. What do you want to do? <laughs> okay. Um, seeing as there is now only three enemies, I'm going to use my Scorching Ray. Aha. Ooh. Oh, good, good Which, choice. Smoke them. Smoke them good. Get it up. Uh, you create three rays of fire and hurl them at targets within range. You can hurl them at one target or several. Make a ranged spell attack for each ray. On a hit, the targets take 2d6 fire damage. Lovely. I'll get this up and I'll roll three two hits. Which I believe my two hit is plus five for a magic. That's correct. Uh, yes, true five. Okay. So. 3d20 plus 5. So that is a 13, a 9, Jesus Christ, and a uh, yeah, 13, a 9, and an 11. Okay, uh, yeah, two of them hit, one doesn't. Assuming you're targeting all three enemies. Yes, targeting all three. Okay, so the swarm of rats and where rat number one have both been hit, where rat number two has not been. Okay. I will roll for the rare rats damage. Do I roll them all individually or just one roll for all three? Just all one three. uh just one roll for all three rays, yes. Uh, so that's five damage. Five damage. Not bad at all. You singe some of the rats in the swarm and char the were-rat's cloak. He hisses at you. It is Blinky's turn. Blinky stays where he is and he makes an eye ray attack. So, Bobbit, go ahead and roll uh, two d6s. Two d4s, please. Yeah, d4. Oh, Come on, big monies. Let's go, Blinky. Oh, it's a four and four. a three. Four and a three. Good. Okay, so the first one, he targets at the swarm of rats, hitting it with a telekinetic ray, which hits it because it fails its save, and it gets blasted 30 feet away. Yeah. The second eye ray hits where rat number one, who must pass... A save of 12, and unfortunately he does, otherwise he would have taken 3d6 cold damage. Oh. Okay, Narthal, your turn. I use command on where at 2. Ah, use command on where at 2. Very well. Uh, let us uh, command. So he's going to make... Uh, he's going save. to make a wisdom save. Uh, what is your save DC there on your spellcasting page? Um, 
15. 15. Okay, so he has to pass 15, and he does not. You hold out your hand. He turns towards you. What one-word command do you give him? Grovel. Grovel. He looks at you, and then he falls prone on his knees, groveling on the floor in front of you. He ends his turn. Okay, and that's the end of your turn. Next up, Bobbit. Okay, so... Everyone on the enemy's team has... Yep, where Rat 2 is prone now, so if you want to fire at him with advantage... Um, I do, but I have another spell there. Where at 2's taken damage, hasn't he? Actually, he hasn't taken any damage yet. Only where Rat 1 has. Ah, uh, okay, and it was one of them. Well, in that case, yes. Uh, I'd like to actually pull one of my new spells out of my book. I'm going to point at where at number... Which one's at the back? Number one. And cast Toll the Dead. It's a uh, necromancy cantrip. You Lovely. point at one creature you can see within range, and the sound of a dolorous bell fills the air around it for a moment. The target mm. must succeed on a wisdom save or take 1d8 necrotic damage. If the target is missing any of its hit points, it instead takes 1d12 necrotic damage. An otherworldly bell rings, echoing through the hallway, and he fails his wisdom save. Roll 1d12. I don't think I've ever even used a 12. Holy shit, that's a 12. And he reaches out his hand, looks at you, his mouth opening in disbelief as he falls to the ground, dead. Okay. Well played, Bobbit. Well played. It is Ava's turn. Ding dong, you're dead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I will... I guess shoot the groveling were-rat. Alright, with advantage, go ahead. <laughs> if you have any damage dealing spells, they will also work on him. I do not. Which is fair uh, enough. So 14 plus 6? Yep, that's a hit. Roll for damage. So my regular damage is 14 plus 6. Two. Two. So I've got, uh, eight. You flap your wings, flying up into the air, and then you take aim at the groveling were-rat and fire. The arrow pierces the back of his cloak, and he winces in pain. Okay, Trevor, your turn. The rats swarm. You can shoot with your gun. Otherwise, with the uh, were-rat number two, you'll have to cast magic. Well, I've got a dagger plus one. Does that count as a magical That weapon is a magical or? weapon, yes. You may go ahead and hit him with it. I'm going to pull that and shoot the bugger. All right. Reach into your coat, pull out your little shiv, roll to hit him. And you roll with advantage. He's still prone, so... Okay, so... 2d20. And I don't have anything else to plus that, do I? No, no. Just, just what it says on the sheet. Uh, so, 19. 19? That's a hit! Go ahead and roll your damage. Uh, 
So you walk up to him, you pull him up off the ground, press him against the wall, and you just prison shank him in the stomach and then drop him down back onto the floor. He winces in pain as he takes five damage. Okay, it's the enemy's turn. Swarm of Rats 1 rushes towards Ava and makes a... Yeah. Yep, makes an attack with disadvantage and hits. And Ow. Ava... I'm going to assume they're like leaping up in the air like one of them grabs a hold of your leg and swarms up your body and you take... Yo. 11 points of damage. I'm going to fucking eat him. <laughs> Where rat, if you do, they might give you health. Where rat number two <laughs> climbs back to his climbs back on his feet using half his movement, and he rushes towards Narthal, getting an attack of opportunity from Trevor, who attempts to shank him with his dagger. So go ahead and roll to hit with your dagger, Trevor. Eight. Unfortunately, oh, he's... Yep. That was uh, damage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, roll, roll your to hit. So, natural 20, is it? Yeah, ooh, natural 20. Okay, roll your damage and double it. That's a critical hit. That'll do. Fourteen all up. Good hit. You grab him as he runs past you and you shank him again. He looks back at you, enraged, and then limps on towards Narthal. Raises his short sword and makes two multi-attacks. The first one, Narthal easily deflects. The second one just manages to hit. So, Narthal, you take... One point of damage from his short Ow. sword. My pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's hurt your pride. Well, I was going to say, his pride and his spirit. Well, time to die. Okay, it is Mickey's turn. Um, I... Oh, well, look who's now in my range. <laughs> <laughs> he is. So... I might step through into that gap there. Yep. Um, and... Hmm? Well, I'm already doing exercise. It's already taking a bit of a beating, so I might just use a second yeah, sleep spell. It's, um, second sleep uh, spell, yeah. alright. Yeah. Go ahead, make a sleep spell. Roll a sleep spell. Uh, targeting behind it. Targeting behind it, um, yep, so nothing's not affected. Yeah. Just an off question. Would it make sense to maybe leave one of the other way around alive to find yeah, out who sent them? That's what Mickey's uh, trying yeah. to do. He's trying to put it to oh, sleep. Good, good. Oh, good, good. Oh, that, that doesn't work well with my new con. With my new oath. Yeah. Oh, don't don't worry. I have. I, I, I have. Yeah. He'll let you uh, kill him after he's. Yeah. It's not like we need them afterwards, but yeah. we'd still like to know who sent them. Bobby can help with interrogation. Bobby has just the thing for it. Yes. Alright, so go ahead and roll your sleep. Uh, oh, looks like I'm saying you roll it. I actually opened up the wrong window. Uh, oops. Uh, 14. 14. And 
He drops to the ground and begins snoring loudly. Bulb, it is your turn. Uh, I'm not muted, okay. Um, I'm going to cast Produce Flame, place it on a dart, and throw the dart. At the swarm of rats, go ahead. They're gonna have zombie back though, to be honest. <laughs> if they want to talk to them. I don't think we need him for long, we just need the yeah, name of his name. Yeah, just need to ask him, him a question. <laughs> like I said, Bubba has something that will help speed that process up, don't you fret. <laughs> Okay, Remy, how did you go on that? 15. 15, that's a hit. Roll your damage. You're not fucking helping. Okay, so that would be my dart with the produced flame damage yep. plus my plus dart Plus the damage. normal dart, yep. Uh, so a dart is 1d4. Fire dart. It's the plot. d4. <laughs> 1d8. Hopefully this works. Uh, 10 damage. 10 damage? Because yes, the dart is yep. piercing. You throw a dart at the swarm of rats, pinning one of them to the wall, and then a small flame surges through the swarm, burning about half of them to a charred crisp. It is no, bl- don't burn them to a charred crisp! It is Blinky's turn. Just right. Blinky flies forwards up to the swarm of rats and gnashes his teeth. He There's hits... And he bites one of the rats, lifting it out of the swarm and chewing it crunchily, its bones and blood lapping all over the floor below. The swarm of rats takes one damage. Narthal, yeah. it is your turn. Uh, I assume you want to run right up to the swarm of rats? Yeah. Alright, go ahead. Here you go, smashy, smashy. Alright, go ahead and uh, roll to hit. Twenty-one. Twenty-one, that's a hit. Roll your damage. That's a pretty tough looking swarm of rats. You're in your 2D. Uh, six plus five. Plus five, yeah. Four, uh, Eleven. Eleven. You swing down with your great axe and one by one cleave and smash the rest of the rats to pieces. Cheese kebabs. For me? Yeah, for your easy digestion. Well, thank you. And. And. That is the end of combat. Oh, well, then, Buffman, best we quickly leap over to our oh, unconscious friend. Find... Uh, disarm and bind the... Bind the rat. sleeping were-rat? Yes, go ahead. Aren't there two of, aren't there two of them? One's, one's actually yeah. dead, yeah. one's... Ah. Uh, dead yeah. 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 Chinese yeah. Ava is also picking up rats uh, and me in the beholder. Is he... Uh, is he... Uh, is the rat dead or dead? Uh... The other one is dead, he's bled out. That's right, I killed that bugger. Yeah. Sorry, that's right, I forgot about that. Okay, well... If the uh, uh, other were-rat's alive and tied up, Bobbitt would like to go and ask a question, if that's a goal. At least help with the interrogation process. I, I, wake, I wake him up. He wakes up, he groans, and then realises you've bound him. And he looks up at you and he snarls, and he says, All right, all right, look, 
Look, it ain't nothing personal. You, uh, look, uh, you let me go, and I'll tell you anything, I swear. Doctor smiles very sweetly at him and goes, No, you tell us first, and then we'll think about letting you go. Bobbit, make a decision. Let's hear yep. him out first before we make any decisions about whether he dies or not. I was hoping he was going to be more reluctant, because otherwise the spell's useless. Just the same, I would like Bobbit to make a deception check. Deception or deception? Deception. Oh, thank God. So I can make those. Uh, that's going to be a 22. He looks up at you with, with a mixture of pathetic fear and... Pathetic fear and rage in his eyes, and he says, eh, "Well, look, all right, all right. I'll answer any questions you got. I ain't being paid enough to bleed out on a floor in this bloody madhouse." Okay. So, let's start from the start. Why did you attack us in the hallway? He says, "Eh, well, the boss." Uh, he looks at you. He says, "That'd be a." Uh, Gathdeer Milo Mint of the Baker's Guild hired us to keep an eye on this, uh, this here, uh, Professor Maxine's office. Said, uh, the Lord's Alliance might send lapdogs to pick up her trail, and if they did, or well, we, me and, uh, me and Remy was to shank them. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> So, I ponder this and I go, so, you're getting paid to watch back, were you told why? He thinks for a moment, he scratches his head and he says, Oh, look, uh, Gatgear told us that he'd lured uh, some girl called Maxine over to the Baker's Guild. And, uh, well, he was going to uh, question her, see, uh, see what dirt she dug up on the Guild. Meanwhile, since, uh, since Remy and me and some of our mates are already in the employ of the Baker's Guild, you know, collecting Jews, watching over... Uh, transactions and the like. He thought he'd employ us as, uh, well, security guards, I guess. Keep an eye on the woman's office in case anyone was trying to pick up her trail. He then thinks for a moment, he says, of course, uh, now that I've uh, told you where she is, uh, well, let's just say I guess I burnt bridges with that particular employer, didn't I? So, if we were to release you, what would as, be the as next soon as, thing? He, as soon as he says... I'll have a question just before you die. Mm hmm? Go ahead. Uh, who's asking the question? Ava, um, I think. I'm, 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 Okay. Uh, no, it was... I thought... I, I, asked, I asked yeah. a question was, if we were to release you, what would you do? He looks up at you and says, Oh, 
Oh, mate, run, put me tail between me legs, run into the sewers and pretend this didn't happen. And if I ever cross your path again, well, look, I'll put in a good word for the rest of the game. And uh, look, uh, how's about how's free passage through our territory if you's ever in the sewers sound? That seems like an interesting deal. I turn to my party. There is benefit in avoiding bloodshed. I grab the rats. I put each hand I put, I hand. put my I put my hand in front of him before he grabs the rat, and I'm go. Consider his words before you kill. Ooh, he's standing between a paladin and his own. I was going to say a pacifist bard versus a. Oath of conquest, conquest paladin. Uh, while they're having this quick precise wording of your oath, that uh, once an enemy, that it is not simply enough to defeat an enemy; they must be utterly destroyed. That's his oath. It seems that we've destroyed him. We have burnt absolutely any bridge he has to his old life. We that is true, actually. We have removed him we push this one step further just to make sure if we're truly about destroying this poor bastard without actually killing him. Destruction doesn't imply death. Oh. Right, Daryl, I'd like to grab the rat by the head and the legs and rip, rip it in half. I would like to cast mm -hmm. Hold Person with Cutting Words Jesus Christ, this is getting yeah. well. Um, <sighs> very well. Uh, make a wisdom save, please, Narthal. Minus D6. So, minus one. Minus one. Well, I failed. Yep. You're held. It's okay. You're gonna have you're gonna have chances to kill much things, and uh, you haven't actually failed your oath. You you're still abiding I think by he's your oath. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I will I will cut the bind. I will say, does anybody else have any objection to this? Orb is kind of indifferent. Yeah. As these rats did try to kill us. That is However, Bulb does walk forward and goes, So this Remy of yours, did he make a mean ratatouille? <laughs> uh, uh, he, he says, Is that eh. what you wanted to ask him? Yeah. Because <laughs> that is. He says, <laughs> he looks at you with a hint of sadness in his eye. He says, Yeah, tell you what, it's going to be bloody missed. And then he, and then with his tail between his say, legs, as he goes, to, as he goes to leave, even though we're not going to kill him, we're not killing him. Bobbit does go. Just one thing before you leave, if that's okay, Mister Rat Person. He stops and looks over his shoulder. Bobbit just casually points a finger at him and go. Just a quick reminder in case you decide to be a liar. Bobbit doesn't like liars, and I cast one other cantrip on him. From uh, from my new list and a uh, lovely spell called Blood Tide. Oh, this one doesn't last long. Thing when you cast the spell, uh, the target creature must succeed on a Constitution saving throw. Uh, I don't suppose you could do that for me, please. Yep. Ah, uh, what is your DC? Uh, where are we at? I believe it's fourteen. And he has failed. 
Excellent. In that case, uh, the target must succeed in a saving throw or bleed from its nose, eyes, ears, and mouth. Oh. This bleeding causes no damage, but imposes a minus two penalty on the creature's intelligence, charisma, and wisdom check. Blood tide has no effect on undead or constructs, which he is not. Bleeding creature might also attract the attention of creatures such as sturges, ducks, or giant mosquitoes, depending on the circumstances. I don't believe we'll be having any issues with wow. those. Wow. Um, uh, cure wound spell does stop the bleed before the spell's duration, as does a successful DC wisdom medicine check. And uh, it goes for approximately, the duration goes for about four rounds, however long you want that to be. So just, it's more of an idle threat than a, uh, or just in case he decides to try and ditch and screw us over in the future. Wow, how do you like that, Narthal? I think he's utterly destroyed. Um, I'll also with take the, give him the remains of the, the, um, his dead friend to bury. Of course, relieved of his loot. <laughs> Very uh, well. I think, got, I think he's probably slightly distracted from the fact that he's just yeah. bleeding from he everywhere just, on his face right he, now. He doesn't stop to pick up his friend. He just scurries away. And then as soon as you release Narthal from the whole person, he slams and... his axe into the marble wall. Well... So, Life would you like to loot the guy who <laughs> loot the other guy? Sure. Uh, it appears uh, I would like uh, someone to do an investigation check, please. Right. I've got plus five on that. Anyone got yeah. any higher? That won't be Bob. Won't yep. be Bob. Missy. I was just happy that a book worked and a spell worked. Lovely. Um. Uh, that 16 for my investigation. Lovely. So you investigate the remaining were-rat, the one known as Remy, and it appears he must have been paid quite well for... Leave my corpse alone. He must have been paid <laughs> quite well for this, as inside his robe, he has a pouch that contains 40 GP. Nice. In addition... He has a short sword and a hand crossbow. Not that might proficient in short swords, because that might be useful. Uh, if you're a druid, I think not. No, I'm not. Yes, no. Not short sword. That said, I want to pick up sorry, kitty. I want to pick up rats. Oh yeah, pick up a rat. You reach down and you pick up one of the less burnt rats. Just shove it in your mouth. Do I regain any health? I will allow you to regain one HP from eating the rat. Precedence are set. Yeah. <laughs> so you have two options now. You may head to uh, Gathgear's headquarters, the uh, Bakery Guild's main centre of operations, or... You may step into Maxine's office and search it and see if there's anything left behind. They search it, but we're not looting anything that isn't necessary. Well, would vote for not looting anything that is not necessary to the search. Okay, what do the rest of you say? So that being said, I turned to him. I don't think 
Maxine would begrudge us taking anything that may aid in her rescue. That is correct. Love it like shiny. True. It's within reason. Within reason, of course. Very well. And so... You all step... (laughs) You all step into her office. And I would like... Uh, an investigation check done, please. The office, as you step in, appears to have been thoroughly ransacked with papers, paperweights, and knickknacks, like scattered, broken across the floor. Her desk has been overturned, and someone's rifled through a chest of drawers next to it. So I'd like an investigation check, please. Didn't. Uh, sorry, I'm only going to go by Odinson because he said he had a plus five, but I don't know his name, sorry. Ah, yeah, that's Trav. Trav. Uh, 22. 22, well done. Uh, so a quick search of the room reveals something that was evidently missed by the were-rats as they were ransacking this room. You see, just behind the chest of... just beside the chest of drawers on the marbled wall... A tile that appears to be ever so slightly embedded into the wall. It catches your eye and you walk up to it. And you press in the tile. And you discover that it's a type of button. Press it in. there's There's a mechanical click. And then one of the floor tiles in the middle of the office slides open. Revealing a small wooden box inside. Ooh. Interesting. While... Oh, no, this place would be full of magic. Don't worry. It's interested in the box. Would you like to pull out the box? Uh, is there anyone who can search for traps or magic surrounding said box? Or... Um, well, detect magic wouldn't, because the whole place is full of magic, but if someone wants to take, oh, yeah. make a perception check and see if you can see any obvious traps, go ahead. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> it's not I'm me not either. Possible. That's better than me. Might as well, uh, Kitty. Yep, Ava. go ahead, Ava. Oh, <laughs> no matter how high it is, and that one doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, there do not appear to be any traps. It, for all intents and purposes, it appears to be just a uh, hidden compartment. Okay, well, Bulb picks up the box. You pick up the box, Bulb, and as you liberate it from the, uh, as you liberate it from the slot, you hear a click. And a little spray of a little plume of acid sprays out there. at you. I want you to make a deck save, please, Bulb. Okay, I've got to pop this one handed, sorry. There's a dog is now currently sleeping on the other hand. Twenty plus one. That was in caps. Swissly in caps. Does that still work? No, apparently not. 
Okay, how? <laughs> there we go. Here we go. Uh, son of a bitch. I've got a five. Five. Okay. <laughs> you are going to take one point of acid damage as you manage to jump out of the way of the majority of the plume, but a tiny bit of it splashes onto your shoulder and singes your skin. Then you go to open the box, but it doesn't open. And here's where you notice, in, in true bardic fashion, the box is not locked with magic, nor is it locked with any particular, any particular uh, type of lock. Rather, it appears to be solely fastened by an intricately tied band of wire. It would require someone with it would require someone with uh, very good sleight of hand skills to be able to manipulate and untie this very intricate knot. Um, I got a plus. I got a plus three. I have plus four. Yeah. Is anybody here at the story of the Gordian knot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, clever. Ah, uh, yep. So I would like, if Trayvor wants to do sleight of hand, go ahead and make a sleight of hand check. Oh shit, nine. <laughs> nine. You attempt to undo the knot, but and you make a little bit of progress, but it's too complicated. You can't seem to get that last bit undone. Would Ava like to make another one now? This time with disadvantage, as he's already attempted to undo the knot, and... May have made it a little bit worse. Good old me. <laughs> uh, <that> one. Fuck <laughs> Okay. You attempt to untie the knot, and all Wait, you six. And <laughs> you untie the knot, and you think you've made it worse. But then, just as the knot grows even harder than before, there's a small flash of light and the wire disappears. And then the box opens, and as it opens in your hand, a plume of radiant light shoots out at you. I'd like you to make a deck save, please. Can I say that I was holding it while they were trying to open it? Yeah, but she's, it's still in front of her. <laughs> still yeah. shooting it. Shooting at whoever triggered the trap by screwing up the knot. Fifteen, and you pass as the beam of light hits the wall behind you and sears off one of the tiles. Now that the box is open, you're able to get a look at what is inside. You see three things of note. There is a bundle of papers rolled together, and when you unfurl them, they appear to be sheets of music. The second object is uh, another stack of papers that, upon first glance, appear to be the tax records for the Baker's Guild, indicating that they are, uh, indicating that they are on top of their taxes and, and have not committed any fraud that you can see. The third item... They haven't committed tax evasion. Yes. The third item is a small... Well, yeah, that's probably the vein she was investigating, but it didn't pan out. The third 
item is a lumpy object wrapped in a velvet purple handkerchief. Ooh. Is this box shiny? No, it's just a wooden box, but the thing uh, in the... The thing <laughs> that's covered up might be, um, might be shiny. Ooh. Well, we have to roll to check that. Ah, you just pull the thing off and then roll a d20 and I'll tell you what magic item it is. Oh, okay. Um, I rolled an 11. 11. You pull the handkerchief off and inside you find what appears to be a bronze medallion of some kind. Just a string with a bronze coin on the end of it. And engraved on the coin is a picture of what appears to be a suit of armour. There's a little bit of rust on the edges of the coin, but for the most part, it looks as if it's been well maintained. Who'd like to make an Arcana check? Um, probably both. I, I was going to say I have a plus four, a plus and that's a net twenty. Of course, that's where my net twenty comes in today. It is an amulet of armor. is a common amulet. Ooh. Requires attunement. You gain a plus one bonus to AC while you wear this amulet. Whenever an enemy damages you with a critical hit, the amulet has a 20% chance of disintegrating. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, wait, I'm already wearing an amulet, so I can't wear another one. So who would like uh, this? Who wants an extra AC? Who's got the lowest AC we should work out? Uh, that'd be Remy. Bob would well, like Bob. to put his hand up for it. But Bob also does have a wet item that he is attuned to already, so he doesn't want to take too many magic items. I'm backlining, and I don't think I've taken a point of damage yet. So yeah, I'm also backlining as well. All right, just been I I got badly hurt. This rat sucked. <laughs> all right, so all in agreement of giving it to Bob. Yeah, no one objects. I'll take it. <laughs> Very well, Bob. You take the amulet of armor. A brief okay. examination of the rest of the papers in the box reveals a letter. It simply reads, Mrs. Horseman, I have some information about the Baker's Guild. I've been watching their guild hall for several days. Meet me at sundown tomorrow in the alleyway opposite their guild hall. It is signed Gathgear, which you now know to be the name of the Guildmaster. So she was lured there. Bummer. Finally, for um, Mickey, I'd like you to make a performance check, please. Tom, you there? No. Oh, make a uh, make make a performance uh, check, please. How did we go? He's... I think he's making a performance check? He's not writing anything. I mean, I think not. he was cutting out. Sorry, I'm oh, back. Just, oh, oh, yep. I, That's uh, fair. My, my interface froze up. Ah, oh, yep. Okay. Yep. Make a performance check, please. Uh, that'd be 11. 
Okay. Um, what you thought were pages of sheet music are actually two magic scrolls that have been encoded as music, and you're able to read them. If you'd like to take them, this would be a scroll of sea invisibility and a scroll of heat metal. I'll stash those, those might be useful. Lovely. Okay. Is everyone ready to head to the Baker's Guild Hall? Yes. Um. Yes, Bob. Is, uh, uh, does anyone have any healing potions or anything? Because I actually took a solid you hit could, in that one. You could take a short rest um, if you like. Yeah. If that's okay with anyone else. Well, yeah, take a short rest, I might as well get back my two hit points. Yeah, I lost 11 in that one, thanks to those stupid rats. <laughs> yeah, those rats hit hard. They hurt. Alright, uh, mate. Take a quick smoke and toilet break if we're getting a short rest. Yeah, alright. So we can IRL short rest? Yeah, if, if you like. Yeah. I'll, I'll continue going on, but you can go have a smoke break, because it's... Yeah, well, it's more toilet is the more... The oh, more go, go have a... The... Yeah, go, go to the toilet. Everyone will have a short rest, and I'll continue on, and when you get back, you get back. Okay. Yeah. No, come on. Wait, uh, I'm I'm blanking. Um, do I add constitution to my no, hit dice? No, you don't. No, just no, roll your just hit dice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought as much. So, oh, so Trav, how a short rest works is you may roll as many of your hit dice as you want to regain lost HP. Well, I've only lost four, so I'm pretty good for now. So. All right. So you, yep, you're fine. You don't want to roll one of your hit dice. You should have three, I think. It may as well, because they don't do anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you just roll yeah. 1d8, and hopefully you'll regain your four hit points. I rolled two. Should have bought your dice, Kitty. <laughs> four. <laughs> four, lovely. So you got four back. Okay. Uh, Kitty and Remy, did you, did you regain any HP? Yeah, I regained my full back to full HP. I only lost two, so. How is Bobbit looking? Yeah. Almost at full, 27 out of 31, so. Good good enough to get moving. Blinky didn't lose any health, so Bobbit's no, just he's petting fine. Blinky at the moment. He's just petting Blinky for health, so she's just petting Blinky for a job well done. I oh, do have right. four yep. first level spell slots, so I can heal people next time if we need it. Yeah, well. if I take anything else severe, yeah. I'll get onto that. Yeah. So you make your way out of the Bard School. You say thank you to the lips on the door as you leave and use Bulb's rope to safely climb down. And then you make your way down to the Dock Ward where everyone knows the Baker's Guild Hall to be. It's a quick question. Did we split up the 40 gold? Ah, uh, no, we didn't. Okay. No, okay. We could, we'll work. Um, we'll do that when we finish the session. Yeah. The Baker's Guild Hall is situated on Lyra's Alley in the Dock Ward, not far south of the Yawning Portal Tavern. A sign above the door reads Milo Mint's Fine Desserts and features paintings of colourful baked goods. You do not see, you're standing in front of the bakery, and 
the windows that face the street are adorned with cakes, loaves, fresh loaves of bread, and other enticing baked desserts. And inside, you can see several bakers clad in red cloaks going about their business. That may inform their call. <laughs> what would you like to do? I'll go and have a look in the alleyway that's opposite. Ah, uh, yes, you can. And Bulb, I'd like you to do an investigate check. Okay, investigate is intelligence. That's still plus two. I'll take it. Okay. You go into the alleyway opposite, crossing over the cobblestone street. I see jack shit. And yeah, the alleyway (laughs) is very narrow, wedged in between two tall buildings. And because this is the dock ward, it's covered in a thick layer of trash, for want of a better word. Trash, bits of broken furniture and the like. And you can't see any signs that Maxine was ever here. So there's no dead body that's been stabbed. No dead bodies. You can't you can't see any dead body, but then again you can't really see much of anything. Yeah. Okay. I head back to the others then. You're very well. Okay. Uh what would the rest of you like to do? Yeah. You can just enter the bakery. Or well, you... are there any? I was going to say, are there any other doors to get into the place other than just the front? There appears to be just one on the front, but if you'd like to do an investigation check, you may be able to find an alternative way down into into the bakery. They got a thirteen. Thirteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's the main entrance, which faces the street. And through the windows, you can see several bakers inside going about their business. You fan out and you begin to examine the perimeter of the building, heading into an a narrow alleyway to the side of it, wading through an almost ankle-high layer of trash. And then, at the end of the alleyway, Bobbit, you see it, much like the one in your basement bedroom, a small a small window into the basement facing the street. Oh, neat. Looking through it, you can see what appears to be a large stone room with several doors leading off of it and a stairway leading up, presumably to the main floor of the bakery. Mm-hmm. Bobbit will point this out to the rest of the group. So, how would you guys like to enter? Front door or through the window? Um, If we go through the window, are we going to try and be sneaky? Or are we... Basically, what I'm asking is, is the paladin gonna try and sneak? At the very, at the very least. The paladin's kicking down the door, apparently. You're gonna kick down the door very well. So before you have a chance to do, yep. Before you have a chance to react, Narthal steps forwards and he kicks down the door into the bakery. The four bakers inside have a moment where they look shocked at his entry. 
And then as you all enter, what appears to be the Master Baker shouts, Well, don't just stand there! Week off Bun Week for anyone who kills them! Suddenly the bakers leap to action, their hands, their hands glowing with magic. What do you say as you kick down the door, Narthal? Uh, can I actually, um, <clears throat> uh, cast commander on one of them? Very well, yes you can. And I will make a wisdom save, and the baker you cast it on does not pass. What would you like to command him to do? Leave. Leave. He nods and he shrugs and he says, I ain't paid enough for this, and just walks past you out the front door into the streets, leaving you in the room with the remaining bakers. Go ahead and roll for initiative. Uh, 16 for Bobbit. 19. Six, 16 for Bobbit, 19 for Narthal. Uh, 15 for me. Oh, now. 15 for Mickey. 24. 17 for Narthal, 24 for Ava. 21. I've got a net 20. Oh, lovely. Okay, so you're going first then, Bulb. Wait, I've got a net 20 as well. Alright, well, Ava will go first because she's faster. Yeah. So you'll go. Yeah. And then for Trav, it was 17. There we go. Alright. We wasted our net 20s, Remy. We did. <laughs> you did. Alright, grabbing the battle music. And Narthal has forced one to leave, so you have one less to deal with. And I've removed him from the map. Okay. Uh, Ava, you are up first. You see one apprentice baker in the back room. Well, you see two apprentice bakers in the back room, actually. Well, I shall fly out then to the first one. Alright, so this one wow. here. And Why are we going to hurt the apprentices? They're just trying to make a living. <laughs> Alright, go ahead and roll to hit. Probably not even making a decent uh, copper a week. Uh, 18 plus 6. Ah, uh, that's a hit. Yeah. Roll for damage, please. Ten, ten points of damage. You uh, lash it. Yep. Go ahead and roll the d4. Okay, two. Okay, make your second attack, please. And fourteen. Fourteen, and that's as you. As you swing it in with your second sword, he raises a hand and casts shield, and your sword bounces oh, off. Bullets. Okay, now it is Bulb's turn. Yeah, Bulb. See here, my You cannot see any of the bakers, so I have to enter the back room. There you go. Now you can see three bakers. What would you like to do? Stop that. How far was that? Did I uh, just run? Five, ten. Ah, uh, ten feet. 
10 feet. Okay, uh, Broke up. Oh. Yes, sorry. Yep. Sorry, Remy, you have to say again. No, you're gone. No. <laughs> Type what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we, I heard you then. I heard you say, yeah. Under Baker 2. All right. Yeah. Very well. We shall move you under Baker number 2 right here next to Ava. All right. What would you like to do now? Burning hands 2 and 4. Okay. Go ahead and roll your... Go ahead and... Oh, yeah, they just do checks, don't they? What is your DC? Uh, scroll down, scroll down. 13. 13, okay. They both fail. Go ahead and roll your damage. Uh, 3d6. Much better. 12 damage. 12 damage, okay. Apprentice Baker 2 goes down in a pile of ash. The Baker oh. has become the Baked. Apprentice Baker 4 raises his hand and casts Absorb Elements. He takes 6 damage from your burning hands and absorbs the fire. Okay. Okay, okay. it is now Narthal's turn. First off, enter the room so I can see, because obviously I can't see. Yep, there we go. You can now and see Baker 1 and Baker 4. Am I able to reach Baker 1? You sure are. Right, and uh, Wrathful Smite. Ooh, lovely. Okay, so make a uh, melee attack. You see Wrathful Smite. Yep, next time you hit with a melee weapon during the spell's duration, your attack deals an extra 1d6 psychic damage. Okay, so go ahead and make your attack. 16 plus 9. That's a hit. Roll your damage. And add the... Oh, crap. What is it? So, 2d6. What is it? An extra d6? Yep, so 3d6s. 3d6s. Uh, 10, and they have to roll a uh, DC save. Uh, yep. The frightened. And he passed his save, but it doesn't matter because... Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot to have my oh, yeah. strength mod. Yep, Thank go you, ahead. Uh, so what was that? Um, 10, 15. Okay. He passed the save, but it doesn't matter because the extra damage from your Wrathful Smite is enough to paste that Apprentice Baker over the wall. Aww. <laughs> okay. It's the enemy's turn. Apprentice Baker 4 casts Burning Hands on Ava and Bowl. Ava and Bolt, oh my God. please make a deck save. Rude fuck. Why do all these people get cool uniforms and they can use spells? We've been robbed, dearly. <laughs> we have. I mean, Burning Hands is a probably useful spell for Baker to have. Yeah, it would. I know, right? <laughs> That'd be amazing. So that's Imagine a... just, like, lining up all the creme brulee. I got 24. Like... Okay, so... Uh... Bulb, you're taking eight points of fire damage. Ava, you're taking four. These guys are do bloody burning hands. Then their apprentices. Baker number three comes out of the back room. He steps out. He points his hand at Narthal, and he make 
and he casts Burning Hands. Narthal, make a deck save, please. Yeah, that's a fail. Okay. Well, what'd you get? Five. Oh, yeah, that's a fail. So you take... 13 points of fire damage from the apprentice's burning hands. It is Blinky's turn. Blinky flies up into the room and he fires an he fires an eye ray at each of the bakers. Roll 2d4s, please, Bobbit. I got a 2 and a 4. Okay, so 4 telepathic ray hits baker 4 and blasts him back to the back of the room, which is not very far. Yeah. Number two, the baker passes the save, and nothing happens. Uh, well, poop. Well, good try, thank you. <laughs> okay, it is Trevor's turn. Right, I'm gonna run into the left of Winky, just move that table. Yep. And I might as well just pull the pistol and fire at baker number three. Go ahead. Roll to hit Baker number three with your pistol. It'll yeah, it'll just say it'll just say on the sheet the plus to hit. Plus versus AC. So that's what you add, where it says uh, plus five. Yeah. So it'll be one D twenty plus five to fire your pistol. Thirteen. Thirteen, that's a hit. Go ahead and roll your damage. Plus three piercing is nine. Nine. You raise your gun. Bang! You fire a musket shell at the baker. It hits him and he falls to the ground. He winces as he climbs back onto his feet. Okay, next up it is Bobbit's turn. Alrighty, well, I will uh, head into the room with the. Uh, uh, let's go with Blinky and Trevor. Uh, and just in case anything else shows up that might be a bit more trouble, and since I don't really want to take much more damage, I would like to cast a first level spell on my. Well, technically it's second, since all my spells are maxed up to second, and I'd like to cast Armor of Agathies on myself. Lovely. Last uh, an hour, but uh, a. Detective magical force surrounds you, manifesting a spectral frost that covers you and your gear. I gain five temporary hit points for the duration of the spell, which is about an hour. If a creature hits well, technically ten to level two. Uh, if a creature hits me with a melee attack while I have these hit points, that creature takes ten cold damage. Ten cold damage. Okay, that is good. That is good, and it lasts for an hour, so that's going to protect you in the fight to come. Okay, it is Mickey's turn. Alright, I'm going to cast Prestidigitation on myself, amplifying my voice. I'm going to step in the room and say, Alright, you've been demonstrated what we can do. If you leave now, apprentices, none of you will be hurt. Make a make an intimidation check, please. Cool. Uh, Now, I, um, I can roll a minimum of a 16 on this. Yep. Oh my god! 
No, oops, that's the wrong one. Control B. Uh, so yeah, 16. 16, okay. Apprentice Baker 3 raises his hands. And he says, Yep, yep, first fun day, now this. I'm out of here. And he just runs for it, leaving it, Baker 4 on wait, his own. Wait, 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 wait. Is uh, Apprentice Baker 3 the one that attacks me? Ah, uh, yes he was. Would you like to chase after him? I would. Alright, oh, make... Dear. As he uh, runs past you to leave, you get an attack of opportunity. Go ahead and roll to hit. Um... Oh, first off, that's a hit, but uh, does my wrestle smite still take effect? No, it that... was only on that yeah, one. The one. So... Yep, yep. One off. Either way, that, that's a hit, because that was 19 plus 9. Yep, and with the damage that Trayvor already dealt, as he runs past you, you lash out with your axe, and once again, paste him to the wall. That's what you get for attacking me! And it is Ava's turn. I will be right back. But are we letting the other one go? He, he, he has decided to continue fighting on it. Was only 16 was to get one of them to leave. DC 20 or higher was to get both to leave. Okay, well, I shall fly up to this... Fly up to Apprentice Baker 4. Alright, go ahead, roll to hit. Not nat 20, that's a hit. Roll for damage. Uh, okay. Uh, that was a 10. 10. And... He is still up, but just barely. Oh yeah, plus your D4. Yeah, which was a 4. Yep, and you gut him with your sword. He looks at you with... Um, confused look in his face as if questioning why this became his fate as he falls to the it ground. <laughs> and that is the end of combat. Time for be shiny. <laughs> um, are there any that are down that can be saved? Um, not here. There was the one that Narthal made leave. He's gone. And actually the one that she just took down, yes, you may be able to save him. Alright, I'll get to work. Alright, make a medicine check, please. Uh, that would be 13. 13. You manage to stabilise his wound. He looks up at you and he says, All I wanted was to make bread. I know. That's fine, it's all over now. <laughs> okay. I'm very confused. You help him to his feet. Is there anything you would like? To know from him before you move on. I say, so look, before we go any further, we're here to rescue Maxine. Friend of ours. Yep. Um, do you know where she is? He says, "You mean the horse, the horsewoman, Mac Maxine?" Yes, that one. He says, "She's." 
down below in in Gaskier's room, but if you want to reach from here, you're going to have to go through the needing sphere. He gestures towards the trap door next to him. A sign is hanging on the wall just above the uh, trap door, and it reads, Magical Needing Sphere. I look him in, alright, so what, should, what do we have to expect? He says... He says... Destroy the crystal. It shoots at you and either wait for the trap to finish its process or destroy the gears. I... Um... I thank you for effort. No, um... Tell him to take the uh, bodies of his compatriots to the local temple and keep them there. There may be something we're able to do for them in the future, but not right now. He climbs up, he looks at you, and with one fearful look, he runs out of the bakery into the streets outside. I'm just going to go, alright, we have a way forward. Okay, so you've chosen to break in through the main bakery, which means that you bypass the dungeon, but instead you are going through the magical needing sphere. Which is a short way to the boss fight, but you have to deal with the magical needing sphere. Okay. Uh, can I drink a healing potion first? Ah, yes, go ahead and, dr go ahead and drink a healing potion. That's, uh, how, how many, how many do I get? That is, uh, 2d4 plus 2 for a normal healing potion. Eating sphere just sounds like a fancy magical molder with anything like ours. But probably, uh, if we send something re really big in first, it'll probably jam it up and make it easy to work for the rest of us. So I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you get to see the magical needing sphere by taking this route. The bad news is that by bypassing the dungeon, you will not get to fight the Doe Elemental. <laughs> oh, I had a great spell to play with that one. Oh, well. Great. I'll say that for another day, unless there's someone yeah. else let it run. The trapdoor indicated by the sign is unlocked and opens into a steep, narrow staircase which goes down 20 feet before turning back at a landing and going down another 20 feet. The passage then proceeds 10 feet to an unlocked door. The entire area is dimly lit by slow-burning oil lanterns. You push the door open, and it opens into the inside of a 40-foot diameter sphere made of polished stone. A 10-foot-wide ledge juts out a foot, and adjacent to the door are what appear to be the teeth of a large gear visible hanging down from the roof. At the bottom of the sphere, 20 feet ahead and below, sits a table arrayed with a variety of colourful bubbling potions and a large pile of dough and flour with rolling pins lying next to it. An identical door, gear and ledge sit on the opposite wall of the sphere, 40 feet away from you. 
The sphere is magically lit throughout with dim light, the source of which is unknown. What would you like to do? Uh, that guy said we had to destroy the crystal that was here, yeah? He did. However, you can see no crystal. Ah. Can I do an arcana check to see if I could find it? Ah, hmm. perhaps if anyone would like to cast Detect Magic. I think the only one that has it at the moment is Bulb, and it says a ritual. Yes, he doesn't have it prepared. Oh, I didn't realize I was... Uh, I can cast it as a level one spell, or if we want to sit here for ten minutes, I can cast it. It's up to you. That may be an option. Because I don't think you use a spell slot if you do it as a... Yeah, as a ritual, that's yeah. correct. And so, I only have two level one spell slots left, so... So, as you... As you wait ten minutes, tell me what you do. Do you just wait here in the entrance to the sphere, or do you step down off the platform into the sphere-shaped room? I stay on the entrance platform. Okay. Yeah. So everyone stays there. So you wait ten minutes, and it seems as long as you stay on the ledge, whatever trap there is in this room does not activate. Excellent. So you wait ten minutes, and then Bulb casts Detect Magic, and pinpoints a field of conjuration magic emanating from the wooden table in the centre of the room. The one upon which there are bubbling potions and piles of flour and dough. Mm. Okay. I tell everybody that the magic is emanating from the table, and that is where I guess the crystal would be, somewhere in the flour and dough. So how would you like to do this? Mm. I'll produce flame and throw flame at it. You sure? Oh, God. Once you said it like that, yes. All right. <laughs> you produce flame, and you throw it at the table. And as the flame hits the table, you hear a loud click. The table begins to sink down into the concrete floor, and in the middle of the table, a wooden compartment slides open as a, as a copper... Colored, a turquoise, a, a yellowy topaz colored crystal orb begins to be lifted out on a platform. Suddenly, the platform beneath your feet retracts into the wall, dumping you all into the sphere. Then, before you have a chance to do anything else, the gears that hang above both of the doors leading into the room slowly begin to turn and the spherical shaped room begins to rotate with you all inside it. I'm gonna guess I'm flying. Yeah, you may fly. Would you like to fly? <laughs> I, I was already flying. So first of all, I would like everybody to make deck saves except for Ava who may make hers with advantage. 
Twenty-one. Fail. Eight. Eight. That's eleven. Okay. So that'll be um, that'll be Mickey and Narthal here. The, as the room revolves around and you start tumbling back and forth, oh, the, the rolling pins on the table begin to move across the pile of dough, needing it from the momentum of the revolving sphere. The crystal orb begins to vibrate and hum. And then it sends out a wave of force energy that slams into the dough and kneads it. And also into you. So, Narthal and Mickey, you each take... Four points of force damage. As you begin to tumble in the rotating room, what would you like to do? You seem to have a few options. As the man said, you could simply wait till the kneading process is done. You could try to make your way to the gears and destroy them, or you could wait until the doorway is aligned with the door out of here and try to jump through it. We could also try to destroy the crystal, couldn't we? You could also try to destroy the crystal, yes. Let's destroy mm -hmm. the... I reckon we destroy the crystal. Now there's blast the crystal. Alright. I, like, I would like you to each roll initiative, please. Wonderful. Uh, 13. 13 for uh, Bobbit. Oh, uh, 9. 9. 9 for 2. 2. Mickey only rolled a 5. 18 for me. 18 for Mickey. Uh, 20 for... Okay. And how did Ava do? Sure only... Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. How did Ava go? 6. 6. Okay. Uh, Mickey, you are up first. What would you like to do in this room? I'll be right back. Um, so was that me? Yep, you get to act first. Um, well, considering I don't actually have any weapons with which to destroy the crystal, I'd probably... So you just want to... I'm going to try and insult the crystal into shattering. I'm going... What? Alright. Uh, you can try. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm going to cast uh, my spell, Cutting Words. Cutting Words. Uh, whatever the, the first one, the... Wait a second, where is it? Sorry, I'm just trying to leaf through... There we go, it's up in that window. Because I've got like like spell books and everything up in every different window. I'm trying to work out which one's which. Uh, spell is Vicious Mockery. Alright. Go ahead. I, I'm going to call... Alright, wait a second. I've got people playing words here. Yes. Uh... <laughs> Did I miss anything? Nope. Uh, he's attempting to insult the crystal into breaking. Okay. Do this. With vicious mockery, I am going to uh crystal or crist none. Anyway, I am sure it is just glass. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Um, 
That is three points of damage to the crystal. Three points of damage. You see it's three tiny. Points of psychic, three points yeah. of psychic damage. You insult the crystal and you see a tiny crack appear in its surface and then it vibrates and... Make an acrobatics check, please. I can actually do this. Great. Uh, that is a 14. The beam of force energy sails past you and you continue tumbling around the room. Whee! Okay, Trevor, it is your turn. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot the fucker. Alright, go ahead. I would like you to roll to hit with your pistol, please. 20, 20. And that's a plus 5, isn't it? That's a plus mm -hmm. 5, yep. Yep. Uh, 15. That's a hit on the crystal. Go ahead and roll your damage. Right, and another nine. Another nine. Okay, your bullet hits the crystal and creates another crack. The crystal begins to vibrate again. Make an acrobatics check, please. Nine. Nine. You failed, and unfortunately, you are hit by the beam of force damage, and you take half of the damage you inflicted on the crystal. We'll round it down, so you take four points of force damage. True, easy. Bobbit, your turn. Bobbit needs to Eldridge blast this crystal. Alright. And by the way, that's need with a K-N-E-A-D. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Go ahead, roll to hit it. That's a 20. <laughs> hey, uh, this is the only bread pie I've made so far, so shush. I know, very good this episode. Uh, no, no, I'll be good, I'll be good. Uh, it's a 21 to hit. That's a hit, roll for damage. It's gonna be 11 points of damage. 11 points of damage. You fire your Eldritch Blast, and as it begins to glow, Make an acrobatics check, please. That's a nat 20. Nat 20. You, using the momentum of the revolving room, you hurl yourself over the crystal as it fires one last beam of force energy and then shatters. And as soon as it shatters, the bottom of the sphere slides open and dumps you all down into the room below. Would like everyone to make a deck save, please? As you fall down, as you fall twenty feet down out of the needy That's sphere. A That's a fail. Yeah. That's a fail for me. Twenty not net. Twenty I'm not net. Oh shit! Seven for me. Seven. Okay, so Mickey, Avor, and Narthal, you are taking eleven yeah. points of. Jesus bludgeoning Christ. damage as you fall down Wait, into... Isn't Ava flying still? Yeah, Ava's... Sorry, it's Trevor, Mickey, ah. and Narthal that each take 11 points of damage as you fall 20 feet down, dropped from the magical needing sphere into Gath Gear's personal bakery. Well, I'll probably just... Um... Land like, only for like 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you can, we'll halve it for you because you are tall, I'll give you that. Um, so oh, you man. take five points of damage. 
Can I do a dex check to see if I catch one of them before they hit Yeah, sure, to try and catch Mickey. Make a make an acrobatics check, please. Yep. Um... Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, you swoop over and you grab Mickey and... Excuse me, sorry. Save him from the bulk of the damage. And so, Mickey, you also halve it to five. Thank you. And then, you drop down into Gaithgear's lair below. This underground workshop consists of two main rooms. There's a staircase behind you, which presumably leads to the other side of the sphere, the door that you saw, and another staircase leading further into the dungeon you have bypassed. The main room, which you've dropped down into, contains two cages made from thick bars four inches apart. The cage in the southwest corridor of the room is directly below the entrance to the sphere and currently houses an unconscious woman with a particularly long horse-like face. As you tumble down, Gaithgear turns around. He brushes... He brushes a lock of hair out of his face, pulls down his red hood with a gold trim that says, Nice of you to drop in. We will begin combat. The boss battle and the last, the last scene for today's session. Alright, here we go. Uh, just clear the current music. Can I preemptively make him my favourite foe? <laughs> Why? Because he's... Oh yeah, you can. Yeah, go ahead. Well, we'll say you already made him your favourite foe. Okay. Here comes the map. Drop down to Bakery Boss. There you go. You can see the Master Baker. Okay, we reset to the top of the initiative order. And Mickey, it is your turn. Alright, um, I'm going to use my uh, class ability Cutting Words yep. to reduce his next save by D6, which is 5, so his next saving throw he has a negative 5 penalty to, yep. and I'm going to use my last level 2 slot to cast Hold Person on him. Hold Person, okay, Ooh, what's, very your, nice. what's your DC? My DC Uh, 15. 15, and how much are 1d... Uh, we're just removing 1d4, or are you going to roll for that? No, 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 I've already rolled it. Five. Okay, okay, 5. Alright, here comes, and... Wow! <laughs> he nat 20'd on his save, we take 5, it goes to 15, plus add his... Plus 1 in wisdom, uh, so 16, yeah. so just... Just. Alright. So your cutting words were not quite cutting, but nice try. Okay. Uh, Trevor, it is your turn. Rightio. Let's have a look here. You can just see him there in the other room. 15 foot of me, or... He... 
Uh, he is not, but if you move to the doorway, then he will be. Yeah, I might do that and, uh, thunder wave him. Alright, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna make him roll his deck save. And he failed. So go ahead and roll your thunder wave damage. Alright, sorry, just uh, taking a sec. <laughs> uh, on the fail save, creature takes 2d8 thunder damage. Yep. Uh, do I have a modifier for that? No, it's just 2d8. Oh, attack bonus, huh? No, just uh, 2d8, just straight 2d8. Uh, there we go. Uh, 13. 13. He raises his hand and as a reaction casts Absorb Elements and absorbs 3 points of your attack, taking 10 altogether. It is the enemy's turn. Going to swap over to my DM map. And. Hmm. Okay. The Clockwork Dragon that you. What? The Clockwork Dragon that you built for the Baker's Guild and that they never paid for swoops down into your line of sight. Yay. It flies up to you. And it makes a bite attack, which hits, and you take, uh, let's see, 1d10 plus 2, interesting. You take 12 points of piercing damage from the Clockwork Dragon's Metallic Maw. So that takes me to negative three. Ah, oh, okay, so you're down, so you make a death save, which means roll the d20. If it's above ten, you pass your death save. If it's below twenty, you fail. Seventeen. Seventeen, that's one pass. So if you get three passes, you stabilize. If you get three fails, you die. Right. Gaith Gear, the Master Baker casts Blur on himself. Ah, oh, fuck. His image... <laughs> the image of his form begins to waver and shift. Hitting him is going to be difficult. And an unseen enemy chooses to remain where it is. Okay. It is Bobbit's turn. Well... Uh, originally, I had a spell lined up that I was going to use on the Master Baker, but that was when I thought he was by himself and didn't have a goddamn dragon protecting him. Uh, okay, well, might as well... Nah, might as well just go for the... Uh, actually, instead of Eldritch Blast, I might give a couple of people a hand. Who's behind me in the... um? Who's, or, uh, turn order. Ah, still Narthal Bulbanaver. Alrighty then, in that case, I would like to cast the enchantment cancer called Fearful Thong. Yeah. <laughs> I Very well. read what it does now. A tune sweetly sung is worth more than all wealth or war. You sing a happy little tune, bolstering the spirits of up to three friendly creatures within range. Affected creatures gain one temporary hit point and can add a plus one bonus to their first attack roll saving throw, or ability check they make before the start of my next turn. Lovely. Alright. 
Ah, uh, so you're so casting Poe basically just yeah, Poe just basically yeah on Ava, Nathal, and Bol, and just sits there humming in place while thinking about what to do. And as Bobbit's cheerful song rings through the space, we go to the next person, Nathal. I can't show faith in myself. As a bonus action, very well. Your AC is now 24, and what would you like to do now? No, 23. 23, that's right. You still have your movement and your attack. I'll throw a javelin at the Clockwork Dragon. Alright, go ahead. Roll to hit with the javelin. Yeah, plus one on top of whatever you roll. Yes, because of... Uh, okay, if that's a plus, plus one, that's a non-nat 20. Alright, that's a hit. Roll the damage. Uh, ten. Ten. You throw a javelin at the Clockwork Dragon, hitting its torso. A spray of gears and springs bursts out, and it struggles to move. Okay, Ava, you're up. Uh, she's in, just gone on the toilet. Okay, uh, for her, t we'll move. We'll do. The, we'll do Bulb first. Bulb, what would you like to do? Hey, Bulb is going to use his last second level spell slot to cast Healing Spirit. Ah. Or forth a Nature Spirit to soothe the wounded. Wounded. The intangible spirit appears in a space that is a five-foot cube you can see within range. The spirit looks like a transparent beast or fae. Until the spell ends, whenever you or a creature you can see moves into the spirit's face for the first time on a turn or starts its turn there, you can cause the spirit to restore 1d6 hit points to that creature. Ooh. No action required. The spirit can't heal constructs or undead. As a bonus action on your turn, you can move the spirit up to 30 feet in a space you can see. Um, it says the range is 60 feet. Yep. Is that the range of the spirit's, um, healing powers? Uh, no, it is not. And where would you like it to appear? Uh, I would like it to appear right behind Trayvall, or right next to Trayvall. Okay, there we go. And as he appears, he reveals a were-rat thug in the other uh -huh. room. Oh, lovely. Um, however, I would like to get to be up one spot so that someone can actually get behind Trayvor to hit the... No, the spirit, sorry, not me. I want to stay where I am. Ah, yes. I want the spirit to move up one spot. Here. So that someone can get behind Trayvor Ah, yes, to... that's a good idea. Very well. <laughs> so how far is the range on the, um... Yeah, so what's the range on the actual Six... spirit? Ah, uh, we'll, we'll just say 60 feet. Okay, so everybody take 1d6 of healing. Ooh, lovely, yeah, yeah, yeah. so Trayvor's back on his feet. Moved in. I'll, I'll take that, thank you very uh, much. Do you want me to roll it, or do you want everyone to roll it? Uh, you oh, roll, you roll, roll, and everyone takes that. Oh, okay. Six, come on, lucky, lucky, lucky. Four. Four, so everyone yeah. gets four. Hey, I'm back at four, thank you. Yep, the Trayvor climbs back to his feet, he's on four HP. Okay. It is. No, because you don't. You don't actually go into negatives. You just go to zero. No, you're on four. So, it is. It is now Blinky's turn. Blinky flies into the back room. Where where the oh turns out where the where Rat Thug is, and he fires two eye rays. Roll two d four, please, Bobbit. Four and I can't do duplicates. So no, four and a one. Well, we got the full range today. Ooh, okay. So first of all, four telekinetic ray. It passed the strength saving throw. Dazing ray. 
filed, the Were'at thug is charmed until the until the start of until the end of Blinky's next turn. Okay, Ava, you're up. Um, okay. Uh, so first off, I'm going to use my bonus action to cast Zephyr Strike. Yep. So, um, now I move like the wind. Yes, you do. Ends, my movement doesn't provoke opportunity attack. No, it doesn't. So uh, once before the spell ends, I can give myself advantage on one weapon attack roll on my turn. Yep. Um, and deal an extra 1d8 force damage on the So, okay. where would you like to go? I'm going to go above the dragon. Yep. So we'll say uh, right here. Like literally on top. Literally above it. Yep, there we go. And I'm going to hit it. Alright. With advantage on your first strike, go ahead. Sorry, I was just reading. Uh, do I spot? There it is. Okay, sorry. Oh, with advantage. Yep, because of your Zephyr Strike. Uh, 9 plus 6. 9 plus 6, that's a hit. Go ahead, roll for damage. Then I've got my psychic damage, which I think is relevant. But that was a 4. Yep. Then. Uh, I have the 4 damage. Yep, plus the 4 damage. 1, 1d, what was it? 1d4, oh, I think. No, 1d8. Oh, 1d8, yes. So 1d8, that's a 7. Yep, another good, uh, nice hit. You smash away another handful of springs, coils, and cogs. Make your uh, second attack. I'll take my second now, yeah. Uh, 11 plus 6. That's a hit, roll for damage. Seven. You swing down at the base of the dragon's neck. You hit it, doing serious damage. It stops in its tracks, and it begins to glow. You've killed it, but as it go, as it dies, it explodes. And so, I would Thank like, I would like uh, Ava and Trevor to please make death saves. Well. And also Master Baker. <laughs> He's just been there going, wait, this wasn't supposed to happen. Boom. <laughs> I only got a ten. Ten. Alright, so Trevor passed, Ava did not. 
Master Baker also passed, so that's going Damn. to be... What? How did Baker pass and Ava... Oh, wait, sorry, I, I miss, must have misheard him. What did... So they both failed. Okay, so... Uh, for the Master Baker, that's three points of... Actually, what's the... T oh, okay, Ava passed too. Okay, so all everyone involved takes three points of fire damage. Let's take me down to one again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bulb, you are up. Oh, I already Bulb, have my turn. Turn. Remember we moved. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes. All right, so next up we have Mickey. What would you like to do? Um, all right, I'm going to try a variation of what I did last turn. Yep. Um, I'm going to step... Try and give myself line of sight of the spellcaster with blur on him. Yep. He's here. You can also, from this position, you can also see the were rat thug. Uh, I'm going to cast... I'm going to use Cutting Words on him again. Yep. And I'm going to try Tasha's Hideous Laugh. Ah, Force Him Prone. Okay. Alright, go ahead. Um, Roll your Cutting Words. Are you hurt at all? Minus two this time. Yes, I am. Or you can heal after you do like this for 1d6. Yep. Cool. Alright, so how much is he taking off his save? Uh, two. Two, okay. You cast Hideous Laughter, and he fails. He sees the mushroom man clad in armour step into the doorway. His eyes go wide, and he places his hand on his chest. He goes, <laughs> and doubles over. Although I don't like to try, um, whatever movement I have remaining, I'll try to get myself out of sight to avoid getting hurt and Yep, back here. Very well. Uh, next up, it is Trayvor's turn. And Trayvor gets to heal for 1d6 as he well. He does. Alright, so who does that? Uh, so... Uh, you do it on yep, your turn now. So you roll 1d6, and that's how much HP you heal from his healing spirit. Three. Um, I might move down and to the right, get behind that little yep. corner wall. And you yep. could see the were at thug from here. Now, Would you like to try I to shoot him? To build an Eldritch cannon. Yep. Will that take an hour or...? Nope, you can do it. You can instantly conjure one right here and put it in whatever square you choose. Right, I'll do that and I'll build the uh, protector one. Yep. That um, gives each creature of your choice within 10 feet 1d8 plus 3 temp hit points. Ooh, lovely. So, so you try to... Hoist, just put yourself down on the ground and you hammer away, creating a protective turret that immediately fills the room around you with a protective bubble. Inside the bubble are Narthal and Mickey, who each receive, and you may roll for their temp hit points. So 1d8 plus 3, get from the right screen. Well, not much fellas, 4. <laughs> That's better than nothing. Okay. Yeah, it is the enemy's turn. The were rat thug. 
and I have to go to my DM map for this. The were-rat thug crawls through a gap in the wall, popping up behind Narthal. Oh, hi, friends. <laughs> there you go, someone for you to play with, buddy. Well, 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 look, he just ran out of options. And then <laughs> he makes three multi-attacks with his short sword. Oh. First, oh. first oh. one misses. Second one misses. Third one, nat 20s. So first of all, that's going to be... Roll 1d6. That's hey, going to be... How far did he move, by the way? Because uh, while he's charmed by Blinky, his um, movement speed's... Um, uh, movement speed's halved. Yeah, he's moved 20 he feet. Has he also has disadvantage on all his attack rolls. Ah, okay, so we'll roll again. Okay, You're so it's not a nat 20 this time. It's hey, just a normal hey, hit. Go thank Blinky for helping <laughs> It's just you. a normal hit. You take four points of damage from the normal hit, and then you take an extra 2d6 from the sneak attack. So that's 13 points of damage altogether. Fucking right. The Master Baker attempts to break free of Tasha's hideous laughter, and he can't. It is now uh, Bobbit's turn. So, Dragon's gone, Narthal's gonna pound the rat into paste. Can I get within 10 feet of the Master Baker on my turn? Uh, yes, you can. Wonderful. Bobbit will happily skip into that room. <laughs> Look over at the Master Baker who's laughing and going. Ah, it looks like you're having lots of fun. Bobbit has something fun she'd like to show you as well. And I will cast my first second level spell that I have, called Tooth Tentacle. <laughs> it's a lovely, oh, it's a bonus action spell, by the way. Yep. You create a long, shadowy tentacle of energy that forks into three toothy moors. Once the shadowy tentacle is invoked, you may use an action on your turn to make ranged spell attacks with each toothy more, provided each target is within 10 feet of another target. I'm not entirely sure what that part means, but I'm sure Dale knows because he has... Yeah, it does. It means it only hits him. Oh. Yeah. On a hit, a toothy more deals 1d8 points of piercing damage. The tentacles of each toothy more are tangible and may be destroyed. Each more has an AC of 15 and 12 hit points. Yep. Toothy more tentacle is destroyed, fades away into nothingness, but any remaining toothy more tentacles remain. If all tentacles are destroyed, the spell ends. So, so go basically, ahead. Bob is just smiling with this, you know, very wide grin as these massive shadowy tentacles basically extend out of her back and loom over the top of this baker. And since uh, the bonus action, I can use my action to attack with all three on here. Go ahead, go ahead. And they'll be using my, um, that for attacks, and, obviously. And also you roll with advantage, because he's prone, thanks to Mickey's oh. Tasha's laughter. Oh, 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 okay, well, let's see. He also can't yeah. use any reactions to cast shield, first, because he's yeah. prone. First one, yeah, first one's a um, non-nat 20. Non-nat 20, Second that's a hit. one is a 23. That's a hit. And the last one is so close to it, and that but is a 25. All three are hits, and you are lucky he's prone, because otherwise he would have cast shield and protected himself. But you've got three hits, Only go ahead and roll your damage. He can't actually take any actions with Tasha's, but he does get a wisdom save for his each one. Yeah, I know, but he's failed it, and he's 
He he doesn't have his reaction. He's failed the save. So. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm saying he gets a he gets a, a wisdom save for every time he takes damage. He'll take all the damage. I'm just uh, saying yeah. it may, may break him out of. Yeah, it may break him out of. Uh. Yeah. Okay, well, in the meantime, he's taking 19 points of damage as these tentacles basically just blam into him. Yeah. And by the way, when he became prone, his blur ran out because he can't. No concentration. <laughs> so that's why you attack with advantage. So go ahead, roll your attacks. I, I, I did. I see I, he took 19 points of damage. 19 points of damage. The tentacles lash at him. He screams in terror and pain while also laughing his head off. <laughs> and he makes a wisdom save. And he passes. Ah, dang. broken. Yep. He gets three wisdoms. Yeah, three wisdoms. But he's, he passed on the first one, so he doesn't need oh, to okay. get the second and third. And then... As a reaction, he fires, because he has a legendary reaction, he can cast any one of his spells as a legendary reaction, only once per encounter, he casts Scorching Grey as a reaction, oh. he sends one to, one to Ava, one to Bobbit, and one to Mickey. And I blame you, you, and you. <laughs> Why must you be such a sourdough? And let's see. He gets a 16 on the one that's going to bob it. Does that hit? Deep. He gets a 15 on the one that's going to Ava. Does that hit? What's your AC, Ava? You, you've got 16, so that's not a hit. And for the one hitting Nikki, he rolls a 17. That is. Okay, so Mickey and Bobbit, you are each taking 2d6 fire damage. He fires two Scorching Rays at you, and you both take two points of fire damage. Okay. <laughs> he swears and he says, Damn it! Damn it! Bundy foils me again! And it is now Narthal's turn. Play there, friend. You're gonna just smash this square at Thug. Wrathful Smite. Ooh. Actually, no, no, wait, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I have Searing Smite prepared as well, so oh. I'll just do Searing Smite instead. Alright, you cast Searing Smite. Go ahead and make your attack. And that is. 14. 14. That is a hit. Roll your damage. Oh, and as your axe is technically magical, he will take damage from this. He is not immune. Uh, crap, where are you? Uh, Smite is how much? Ah, uh, extra one, extra 1d6. One extra 1d6, one okay. Oh, that's so good. Uh, 5 plus 5, 10. 10? But... He got a 2 on his con save, which means as you strike him with your flaming axe, his clothes catch on fire. He's quickly engulfed with flames, and he'll take 1d6 damage at the start of his next turn for up to a minute while you still maintain concentration on the spell. Okay. Well, Ava, your turn. Me? Yep. Uh... 
Go ahead. He tried to, but he didn't. He's no longer prone, so you're just attacking normally, but he doesn't have blur up anymore. So... Uh, he won't be... Did he ha actually get a turn? Because he can't get unprone until he's his turn. Oh. Um, no, he's still prone then. He just used his spell as a reaction. Yeah. yeah. Alright, so he's still prone, so you get to attack with advantage. His blur is no longer in effect. So 15 plus 6 is 21. That's a hit. That's it. Roll for damage. Uh... I think it's just. I think it might be. Six plus. Six. I've got my 1d4 as well. Yep, and remember, he is your favourite foe. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's 8 plus 6 is 11 all up. 11 all up. As he laughs at you, tears in his eyes, you plunge forward your short sword into his throat. He gurgles as his blood gushes over your face, and then he falls to the ground. Oh. It is Bulb's turn. The... Not hearing a word you're saying, buddy. I'm not really speaking. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, now you've cut out. Yeah, now you've cut out. Yeah, there we go, of course. <laughs> now we can <laughs> hear you. It's like when you're saying what you want to do on your turn, you cut out. But then... <laughs> uh, I'm guessing we're getting close to the end, so I'm just going to yeah. burning hand this rat. It's literally you killed this guy and that's it. That's the end of the session. So go ahead, burning... Yeah. Hands. Uh, burning hands is next save, dexterity save, save. So thirteen. Okay, he got a fourteen on his dex save. Uh, okay, so he takes half three d six. So I'll roll that here. Come on, roll high for once. Oh, that's better. So that's five damage. You're five damage, not bad. Singe's cloak, adding to the flames that Narthal has already made. Then okay. I use a disengage to move yep. back five feet. Disengage, move back five feet. Okay. Also, Narthal, you heal if you weren't at full health. Yeah. One d six. But he, he's fine, I think. Uh, okay. Mickey, it is your turn. Um. All right, I'll just finish try and finish the encounter with a sleep. All right, go ahead. Uh, 23. 23. Just short, I'm afraid. Okay, no worries. Okay. So glad I can get It is Trevor's turn. Kill it. Kill it. You also get 1d6 health. Yes. I can do with the pistol, so I might just try to throw me dagger, uh, plus one dagger at him. Alright, go ahead. Roll to hit. Uh, that's just a 1d20, isn't it? Yep, plus the, plus the to hit that's on your sheet. Oh, nat 20. Oh, nat 20. Okay, roll the damage and double it.
five, ten. Ten damage, not bad at all. Okay, it is now the enemy's turn. The were-rat makes two multi-attacks against Narthal. He misses. Can take the fire damage? Oh yeah, he has to do that too. He takes six points of fire damage. He makes two short sword attacks against Narthal, which he misses. And then he makes a hand crossbow attack against Bulb, which hits. Yeah. Bulb takes five points of piercing damage. And what do I need to make for a concentration save? Uh, you need to roll a con save. The DC is five. Because that's how much damage you took. Finally, it rolls good for me. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I saved, so my healing spell's still up. Yep. Okay, Bobbit's turn. Bobbit, you get healing? And Doesn't Trevor got mean. healing as well. Yep. Yes, I haven't taken no, any damage since I healed up last time, so Bobbit with tentacles and toes is going to casually walk back in the room with everyone else, because I'm assuming no one else has seen Bobbit like this yet. No. Basically, <laughs> just walk over to the way rat and go, Your turn, buddy. Time for plays. And let the tentacles go to town. Alright, go ahead. Make your three attacks. Time for death. Okay, we have a 12. A 24 and a 22. Okay, so two hit, one does not. Roll your damage. That's about right. Hey guys, um, is it okay if I bail at this point? Yep, uh, you get an inspiration point. Cool. Uh, oh, oh Tom, Tom, how are we looking for yeah. Sunday? Uh, good at this point. Sweet, yeah. alright, I'll see you on Sunday then. See you then. See you, Tom. Um. That's going to be 13 points of, uh, I believe it was slashing damage? Yep. Yeah, no, piercing. The rat piercing lets damage. out a blood-curdling scream <laughs> as your tentacles bite into its flesh. <laughs> but somehow, it is still alive. Narthal, oh, your turn. Oh, oh, what? What? It's my turn? Yep. It's my turn! Oh, fuck, you're going to pay... That is a non-nat 20. Non-nat 20, that's a hit. Roll for damage. Oh, 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 oh. We're just going to say he's dead. That's 6 plus 6 plus 5. Yep. As he ducks away, trying to get away from Bobbit's tentacles, you step forwards and you raise your axe and you say, For the All-Father! You bring it crashing down, splitting his skull in twain. He is dead. That is the end of combat. Deadly. You see Maxine unconscious at the floor of the cage, finally safe, except for the padlock dangling off the cage door. Who'd like um, to do a Thieves it, Tools I... check? And... Or you could just smash it. Go ahead. Huh? Oh, I was going to say... I it in my no. fist. Oh, okay. Walk up. I cast fist. You raise your you raise your axe and bring it down on the padlock. It shatters and the door swings open. Okay, I'm going to close the stream and I'm going to put up the art as I go through the end of the session. Oh, it's just happily petting Blinky for a job well done in her tentacles because they're still up for like another. Well, the, the spell lasts for like ten minutes, so Bob has no interest in just dropping it. He's just yep. having fun with them now. Bob, it doesn't... Uh, I, I, I just imagine that you made little skipping rope. Yep. <laughs> okay.
you rescue Maxine, and she appears to be unharmed, if not a little bit shaken up by the experience. She reveals to you that Gathgeo had intended, according to his sinister words, torture, torture any information she had gathered out of her. Then, she cast a sleep spell on herself, so that he would have no choice but to wait for her to awaken. This bought just the time that she needed for your party to turn up and rescue her. You escort her back out onto the street above the bakery. She thanks you once again for your help. Then, she informs you that if you ever need a dray ride, she'll make sure you get anywhere you need to go for free. She winks at you, and then, with a puff of smoke, turns into a white speckled a white horse speckled with black dots. Yeah, Ken, why, why the long face? <laughs> and gallops down the street. She can never get that known. In the days to come, you meet up with Mert. Not at the opera this time. This time, when he comes to Trollskull Manor and orders a drink, he smiles as you hand him, your, as you hand him his drink, and he says... You did well, Sir Narthal, Mickey, Sir Lucian. I will be raising your names in the next Lord's Alliance meeting as potential agents we might like to recruit. Don't worry, he smiles. He says, there is a reward for the time being. He reaches into his coat and he pulls out a pouch of coins. He says... One hundred gold for you to spread as you see it amongst yourself and your entourage. He smiles once again as he drains the last of his drink and says, Remember, Rainier, never remember spoke highly of you. And the Lord's Alliance takes care of its people. And with that, this episode is completed. You each gain an inspiration point and additionally, before we get around to divvying up the gold, so 140 altogether this session. 23 the, gold each. Yep, 23 gold each. That's 140 split. Uh, I don't think... Um, so Trav, you're a guest character, so um, oh. we'll say you got your fill from the Baker's yeah. Guild they managed to pay you managed to find the debt you were owed basically looting it from their hideout and you're happy to let the rest of the party divvy up the gold they found so that would be 23 for each member excluding sir lucian as he did not partake in this adventure and as you divvy up the gold you can't help but look over at him as he sits there in his vip booth drinking a mug of beer I'm looking a little bit sad. Oh. So, the yeah, next... My, for my last spell slot, I want to cast Command on Lucian and tell him to stop drinking. <laughs> More than one word. Well, just... Yeah, sober. Just, mm -hmm. just sober. call out sober, and <laughs> he fails the wisdom save. He places the flagon on his VIP booth, looks at you 
with a sheepish, half-angry look at his face, and he says, oh, Well, I guess I'm done for today. I shall return tomorrow and drink some more. He steps out of his VIP booth, makes sure to clasp the red rope behind it, and then tips his helmet to you as he walks past and vacates the tavern. And the moment he does, Bobbit walks over, unhooks the red rope, climbs into the VIP booth and starts jumping on the velvet seat. Uh. Next, uh, next episode will take place in the summer. So there's going to be a time skip. And as there is a time mm. skip, that means we have downtime. So uh, let's work out what we're going to do for the downtime. So first of all, would you like to purchase any of the additional renovations to Troll Skull Manor? They cost 500 GP and 250 respectively. I don't uh, think we have enough money, really. Yeah, it's mm. probably best to save it. Yeah. Oh, very well. Yeah, live, live entertainment. This will require a performance or acrobatics check. Who would like to perform this downtime action? Let's see my acrobatics is. Um, I was going to say, why, why did Tom have to leave? I'll roll for him. He can do that. He'll do the, <laughs> he'll do the performance like... check. And he passes. So he books live acts, in this case performing them himself, to draw in patrons. who gain a plus five bonus on the next income check. Fresh ingredients. Who would like to do a nature or survival check to source some fresh ingredients? I can do nature. Very well. Um, alright, alright, Ava will do this one. Bulb can do a okay. different one. Okay, Ava, yep. go ahead, do a survival check. Twenty-three. Twenty-three, okay. You source high-quality ingredients for food and drinks, gain a plus five bonus to the next income check. Promotional campaign. This will require an insight or a persuasion check. Hey! Time to dress as a loaf of bread again, I see, Bobbit. Yeah! Go ahead and roll the persuasion check. That's going to be a 19. 19. Okay. Um, yeah, so Bobbit dresses up. He pull, Bobbit, she pulls the, the bread suit out of storage. And that, combined with uh, news of your recent defeat of the Baker's Guild, grants a plus five bonus on your next income check. Homebrew oh. drinks. This will require an alchemist's kit or a brewer's kit check. Does anyone have these? I don't think we do. I have herbalism. Ah, well, uh, I'll get you to roll a herbalism kit check then. DC there first. There you go. Uh, so that's just proficiency with herbalism, isn't yep. it? Yep. Lovely. Watch this be shit. Seven! <laughs> Seven? No. Yeah. Unfortunately, the special drinks you created made the patrons throw up when they taste-tested <laughs> it. And finally, enforce security. This will require an athletics or intimidation check. I'm assuming that's yep. Narthal. Go ahead, oh, make yeah. your check. Uh, what's my... We'll go intimidation. Fifteen. Fifteen, lovely. You focus on providing security for Troll Skull Manor, making patrons feel safer. So all up, that's a plus 20 on the income check. So who would like to roll the D100? Uh, 
Not me, because I'm rolling like shit. I'll do it. Alright, and you add 20 to the roll. Okay, I need to really roll it. Uh, th what was it, plus 20? Plus 20, yep. Uh, 57. 57. And that brings you into the break-even. No profit is earned. So it's been a particularly harsh end to the season then. But, not yeah. to matter, you still have plenty more time to come. When we return for the next episode, it will be the mid... It will be mid-summer in Waterdeep, and... The conspiracy that has been boiling since we began this campaign will finally boil over and engulf the streets. Thank you for joining us, everyone on YouTube, and we hope you enjoyed the session. And last of all, thank you to Trav for being our guest today. No problems. Enjoyed it immensely. Wonderful. Yay. Make sure you check out our Patreon or Spotify or check out our new website, DungeonsAndDagonsPodcast.com where you can find all the links, character bios and our brand new merch store. And with that, we will see you in the 